The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. is up everybody hope you're doing well out there 32 hours 15 minutes away from kickoff rob ellis Derek gun sports take jacob sports youtube network what's up mo what's up twiz what's up tyrone what's up eagles fans what's up mr taz forest hill william miguel rome mood swing bella adam if i missed you it's just because it's going too quickly and i appreciate each and every one of you guys what's up gunner man Hey, yesterday, I forgot to tell you, uh, off the top of the show, when you were welcoming welcoming in our ch- uh, chat family, uh, Fitness Rebel put up there, Rob, no shout out, and I was on time, and we forgot to shout out Fitness Rebel, but I don't see her right now, so therefore, yeah. she's late. So. She, and she's right, my bad, yesterday, Fitness Rebel. Uh, there she is. She's checking in. Oh. Oh. She's here, Fitness oh. Rebel, what's up? What's up, Jalen? What's up, Forrest? What's up, Leo? What's up, B? Uh, what's up, BL Torian? I think that's how you say that. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. Um, yeah, if we if we miss, have has Chris D checked in in a while, or has she been? I haven't seen Chris D since what's today? Wednesday, Monday? Off the radar this week, maybe? I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know. What's up, Tina? How you doing? Um, yeah, I don't know. Tina don't back know. in the house. Hey, did you survive? Did you survive that monsoon last night? You know, I got it. Um, I don't think I got it as bad as you did. It, w- it was Ooh. it hit pretty hard. Um, I went and checked just to see what, because I usually just see what branches are down or whatever in the yard. Yeah. It wasn't knock on wood, man. I didn't get it too bad. I think you probably got it a little bit worse in your neck of the woods. Here, here's when I know it's coming. Um, I have this uh, of the three of the two dog, uh, three dogs we have here. The one, the small one, which is part dachshund, part beagle. 
he he comes up. He was laying on the couch. He he jumps up oh. and he comes under me and he's shaking like a leaf. That's the he worst. He's breathing heavy. Mm-hmm. But th- this is like twenty minutes before it actually hit here. Oh, so he, he sensed it. He sensed it, and and then it was like ten minutes before you get the notifications on your phone. Yeah. Severe storm moving in. Take caution. I get that. My phone starts beeping, and then ten to fifteen minutes later, it's upon us. And I'm telling you. I mean, 60, 65 mile an hour winds. That's um, bad. It was raining sideways, dude. Yeah. And he's now he's really he's really panting. And you got to throw a blanket over him, and, and he tucks himself up under you. Oh. And then at least 10, 15 minutes after it moves past you, it's still raining, but you can still hear that thunder. And it's yep. the thunder that really dr- drives him nuts. So he, that dog was a mess for about an hour. But, you know, more so, more so than, you know, sometimes you get these weather reports and it says it's coming your way and it shifts and all of a sudden you don't get it, but somebody else does. Yeah. I know exactly when it's coming based on this dog, even before the weather uh, apps give you notification. Isn't that crazy, man? It, it, it is amazing what they can sense. Yeah, that, that's for sure. Uh I see Forrest. I see Eagles fan. What's up, Drew? What's up, Jim G? What's up, SB Ricky? Uh, Fitness Rebel, I did not watch Kelsey yet. And actually, I think I'm going to do it today. Uh, I have a little bit. I got about an hour and change window today. How long is it? Do we know? Is it? I have no idea. I've not seen it yet. And how is it? Is it multiple episodes? I, I do need to check that out because I'm hearing awesome stuff about it. So I'm gonna. What's up, Soya? What's up, Crawley? Uh, I think I will get on that today. I'll watch at least the first one if if there if there's multiple episodes today. Let me know, Chris. Uh, let me know, Fitness Rebel, how many how many there are and how long it is. So I'll, I'll get on that. I will be on it. Yeah, I, I've heard it's great. Uh, that, that's all I, yeah, I'm not surprised. Anything Kelsey. Okay. Mood Swing Bella says it's an hour, hour 42. So I might be able to get that whole thing today. That's good. Thank oh, you. Mood, Thank swing, you. Mood Swing says an hour 42. Fitness Rebels is two hours. Prox. Prox, Which one is, that will determine how much time I have when I sit down to watch. <laughs> you have 18 minutes. You don't yeah. have the spare. We got 18 minute discrepancy here. I, right. I need to know. I need exact times on this thing. All right. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with both. I'm going to go with both. What's up? Man? Uh, uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I check it out, but um, oh, oh, mood swing Bella was in her feelings. <laughs> I was in my feelings watching it. Okay. It's emotional. All right. All right. I did not drew. I did not get to Lord of Rings. I, I said this weekend, I said, I did say this weekend. I didn't say yesterday. Yesterday so was how, nuts. You, you are a movie connoisseur, you know, and my wife always asked me through the years, how have you had, especially during football season, how have you had time to watch all these movies in your life? That's a lot of times I'm channel surfing and a movie pops up. I said, well, let me see what this is about. Yeah. And then of course, when you know certain, uh, when you have certain cable companies, even if it's in the middle of a movie, you have the option to restart it from the beginning. Yeah. So a lot of movies I'll restart and watch over a span of a couple of days. And sometimes I have two or three different movies going through the years at one time. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I, but the fact that you have not seen a Lord of the Rings you know, it, it, even at this late date, they came out like 2003. I know. I'm 20 years behind. 20 years. <laughs> you have not seen a Lord of it's the It's bad. Rings. I know. I know. Listen. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Mm-mm. All right. I stop know. the show. Stop the show. <laughs> you now, 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 look. Game of Thrones is eight seasons. But I'm going to tell you something. Game of Thrones was phenomenal. I've heard it. I, I've heard it. I fell behind on both and I just never got there, man. I, I, I have to get back on it. I do. I, I have to, I got to get, let me get through Lord of the Rings. Then I'll, then at some point game of Thrones. Will come. 
I need man. a day off, man. One of these days I'll watch something. It'll, it'll well, you, you can't watch Game of Thrones in a day. It's like I said, it's eight seasons. And um, what's up, Barbara Carroll? Um, it, it's it. Man, let me tell you something. It, Game of Thrones. And the thing is, early on, you have to pay attention to the characters because if you try to cheat and pick it up in season four, you're lost because you don't know who the players are. Right. No, I, I wouldn't do that. I, I would. I would. I always do it right. I take it right from the beginning. Like I'll give you one that I I missed the first maybe three seasons of Breaking Bad, and then I went back and I watched the whole thing and I got caught up and watched all of it. I've never. Uh, I I'll give you another one that was great. Uh, Lost was an awesome show. This is twenty years ago, probably. I didn't watch Lost either. And I I missed the first season, but then I caught up on the first season and watched the whole thing. I watched that. I, I'm just. Sometimes I miss the initial and then I get caught up. Like, I'll give you one that I, that I think is very, very good. Um, that, that I think it's coming. I, I think today you can watch it. Uh, the Morning Show, it's called. Okay. With Jennifer yeah. Aniston and Reese yeah. Witherspoon. On Netflix. It's really good. I think it's season three. It's three or four. Anyway, it, it starts back today, and I'm looking forward to that. I'll be on that. It's very well done. Very well. I have not... Uh... I have not watched The Wire. Who people tell me is phenomenal. Oh, they, I've watched The Wire. Yeah, they look at me like I looked at you about Lord Digun. You didn't watch. You you will be you'll be coming dick, addicted immediately to The Wire. Um, I didn't watch um, uh, Better Call Saul. I didn't, I didn't watch that. Better Calls. I watched the first Better Call Saul and I didn't like it. And I got off it. People tell me I need to get back on it. Yes, they tell me that. Uh, I did watch The Sopranos. That was phenomenal. Same. But I, I, you know, so even though I jab you for not watching Lord of the Rings, supposedly I've missed some incredible series, Better Call Saul, um, you know, The Wire. I've missed a number of those as well. Look, the truth, it, it, frankly, watching, trying to keep up with sports and just, you know, wacky hours with work makes it a challenge sometimes. That's all. But I, but, I, I tried to watch Ted Lasso. Everybody raved about I Ted love Lasso. Ted Lasso. I watched the first couple of episodes. I said, okay, that's it. I'm oh, I loved it. I loved it. I'm, I'm bummed that there isn't any more Ted Lasso. But, uh, yes, Fitness Rebel, I watched it. I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, mm. So, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good shows out there. I, I admit I need to I need to do a better job. Tone said, sure. say, Dion, we don't know who this guy is anymore. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, my goodness. Tone <laughs> says we should lock in on The Witcher. I've seen the trailers on that. It looks good. I'm really that's that's a series I'm gonna have to watch two or three years down the road. I'll give you another one. Mike uh says the offer. It oh, is okay. phenomenal. It's about the making of the, the Godfather movie. Oh, okay. It, it, it's really well done. It's on uh Paramount, I think. Okay, you've seen it? I've seen it, it's excellent. Miles uh, Teller is the lead. Uh and I I'm a big Miles Teller fan. He's the lead. Okay, all right, He's all very right. good in it. Um anyway. So uh, a couple things, a couple things uh, to hit here. <laughs> this isn't funny, but th- they, they finally caught this, this escaped murderer, Danello oh, Cavalcante. Oh, yes. Thank God. Uh, they caught this guy who escaped from a Chester County prison in Pennsylvania. Uh, they tracked him down not real far from there. He was on the loose for 14 days, Derek. And incredibly, they caught him. He's got an Eagles hoodie on. He had stolen it from somebody's yep. house or car. There you go. It, it, like, not the branding you want if you're the birds, but not the and, eagles. Fault. And did you see um, uh, one of the uh, one of the guards uh, who was in a tower who had a cell phone was fired because you're not allowed to have cell phones while you're on duty? Uh, Derek, there should be a lot of people fired th- that he escaped. Hey, I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. 
what they do when you're five two, you can slip through a lot of cracks. You know what I'm saying? You know, you're five two and a buck twenty soaking wet. Climbing up that, doing that move where his legs are here and his yeah. hands are here, and he's doing that 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 move. Was... Hey, Tom Cruise did it in Mission Impossible. Why can't he do it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they finally caught the guy. Thank God. Um, so there's that. All right. Eagles practicing game tomorrow. Now, Jeff McClain, I know you, I want to pick up on something you said too. Uh, you said that you thought Fletcher would be good to go from what you were hearing uh, for the game. Right. And uh, Jeff McClain echoes your sentiments uh, that, that Fletcher with the ribs will be able to play tomorrow. Nothing confirmed yet from the Eagles, but um, what Jeff is hearing is both Gainwell Ooh. And Blankenship are trending toward not playing Ooh. with the ribs. And we know that Bradbury is still in concussion protocol. So you could be down, Derek. Bradbury, Blankenship, yep. N'Kobe Dean, yep. and Kenny Gainwell for this yep. game on Thursday night. That's, yep. that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, you, know, you know what the public cry is going to bring now? Bring in Sidney Brown. Let Sidney Brown play, which yep. you may have to in this case. I My guess is you're going to get Edmonds to start, but you're going to see Sydney get more time. I would think. Yeah. I I would think you're going to have Um, Job on one corner, Justin Evans. Sydney Brown and then slay. Here's the problem. It's not just Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison can play. I know the rookie can play. Oh, Oh yeah. And perhaps more of a problem is going to be TJ Hawkinson. I'm not saying he's more of a problem than Jefferson, but more of a problem than Addison because I, they did not, the, the tight ends last week, eight catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown against them. And that's Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki who are good. Yeah, very good. Hawkinson's good, too. Yes. Hawkinson is better than both of them. Yes. Yeah. And he's a big boy, too. Yeah, he yeah. is a big target. Yeah. You know. Plus, he just got paid. You know he wants to show out. Yeah. He just got paid the highest paid tight end ever in the history of football. Yep. You kidding me? Travis yeah. Kelsey? I'm like, uh, excuse me, front office. <laughs> you see what Minnesota just did? Yeah, yeah. You see what happens when I don't play, too? What happened last week when I didn't play? Yeah. Uh-huh. Get it done, Andy. Get it done, Brett Veach. Take care of them. Uh-huh. But, yeah, so that's the that's the thing. Now, here, con- conversely, uh, Minnesota, right now, their center, uh, Bradbury, is dealing with a bad back. Yep. Their left tackle, Darisaw, is dealing with a bad ankle. And their guard, Ed Ingram, had a really tough game last week against the Buccaneers. So, you're talking about – another situation where the Eagles defensive line should have a big game like they should have last week. Now the interior did. I need more from the edges, Gunner. The edges need to be better in this game. Uh, I agree. Now the edges got pressure, but I, you know, like we said, Mac Jones did a very good job of sliding up, sliding left, sliding right to avoid that outside pressure that was put upon him. Um, in this case, the edge dudes got to get home. They've got to get home. Because Kirk Cousins is not as elusive as some of the quarterbacks they're going to face, and that included Mac Jones. they got to get home because if you can rattle Kirk Cousins early, you have him right where you want him. But if you let him settle in and start hitting those timing routes with those receivers and the tight end, plus they like to throw to the backside of the backfield. If you let them let him get settled in, again, this game is going to be like the Patriots game, a lot closer than it should be. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, Here's the thing too, Rob. Yeah. We're going through the same scenario. I think I brought this up yesterday. So the Patriots were down three starting offensive linemen. Yeah. The Vikings potentially could be down three starting offensive linemen. This was the whole scenario, other than playing second and third tier quarterbacks all last season. Every time this Eagles defense lined up, they were playing an offensive line that was down one to three to, uh, offensive line every week. 
We're just trying to see the same trend again. Well, yeah, we are. But, I mean, I, it's everywhere, though. I mean, the injuries around the league are, you know, pretty severe, pretty serious in, in some cases. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Eagles are a little bit banged up, but it's not awful. You know, you, you would think you're going to get Bradbury back sooner rather than later. You would think that you're going to get these guys who have rib issues back sooner rather than later. It's going to, we know it's going to be at least four games with the Kobe Dean, but yep. you know, it could be, you could be in an Aaron Rodgers situation, man. So it could be a lot worse. That, that's all I'm saying, but I hear you. I hear you, but you know what, Derek, they didn't take advantage of it to the extent that they needed to take advantage of the injuries that the Patriots had last week. So this yeah. is what I'm talking about. Like the, your, your interior, the, the young guys were good, Jalen Carter and Jordan. But you got to get the, the the edge guys have to get home. Yeah, they got to collapse. They got to do a better job of collapsing and squeezing the pocket. If, yeah. if Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis can get that push up the middle, all you got to do is have those ends. Instead of trying to loop around, squeeze the pocket more and keep Kirk Cousins in there. Push those tackles back in because Kirk Cousins is not that swift in terms of pirouetting and trying to get outside. Right. He can he can, he can scramble to buy time a little bit, but he's not the most fleet of foot. So you have a better chance of getting him to the turf than you did a Mac Jones and some of the other guys you're going to face. They just have to do a better job of taking angles uh, and going after the quarterback. And that's what I expect them to do. Um, they had two sacks against Mac Jones. They should have four or five against Kirk Cousins in this game. They should. Uh, they should. And we look, we know that he will make mistakes. Um, you know, he did it last year against them. He threw three interceptions last year. We, like we know that you can force him into some things that he's not comfortable with. If you watch the, it was interesting. If you watch the, uh, the quarterback docu-series, if you remember specifically after the Eagles game last year, Cousins was, was really like, you know what, man, I still didn't know the system well enough. I made some mistakes on some checkdowns, and I did this, I did that. I'm really kicking myself for that game, you know, and he obviously he knows the system better now. But I still think it's an Eagles team that might be in his head a little bit. He's traditionally not great in primetime games. I think he's eight and ten yeah, as a Vikings like, quarterback yeah. in primetime games. So there should be opportunities to take the ball away. And to the Eagles' credit, they don't get that takeaway in that pick six. They don't win last. They game. don't win that game. No. So they they did it. <clears throat> you know, against Mac Jones, they need to do it again against Kirk Cousins again. <clears throat> now Cousins Cousins has a Cousins has a stronger arm. Yeah, he reads. He read def- he reads defenses better. Obviously, he's been around the league a long time. He reads defenses better, um, and has better zip on his out route passes as well. But then again, you know, the Eagles, Eagles, but the Eagles had a much better complement of players last year, mm-hmm. and now with the complement we thought they were going to have, now there's even more holes um, in in in, this, in the uh, situation coming up for tomorrow. Middle linebacker, safety, cornerback. Um, Let's let's see let's see how they balance. That's why I said it's imperative. With with the t- kind of deletions we're looking at on defense for this game, it is imperative that these guys get in his face every time it's that ball snap. Every time he's back in a shotgun, you've got to get in his face. You've got to. Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, Jake Elliott gets some props. He is the yes, NFC Jake. special. There you go, NFC special teams player of the week. Uh, he, look, he had two two field goals of 50-plus yards in pretty sloppy conditions. Yep. Uh, fourth time he's won it, uh, second year in a row. A special teams player has gotten it. Uh, Zach McPherson got it last year. So, hey, look, it, it's as much as we sort of cringe with the special teams, you never have to really worry about Jake Elliott. So it props to him. Yeah. That man's um, on, man. they, plus, he, he, you know, he ricocheted uh, the 48-yarder off the upright. Mm-hmm. 
So that was huge as well. You know, yeah, three, oh. three long field goals in sloppy conditions. You know, that's that's not easy to do. Oh, big time! I, I look, I give him a lot of credit. And again, yeah, yeah the, the, the the extra point was so rare. You just chalk that up to it's yeah. kind of a fluky thing. Um, so Justin Jefferson, not exactly billboard material, Derek, but yeah, noteworthy, I guess. He said, "Yeah, there's a little tension surrounding this game." Because look, he's not happy at the way he played last week, last year against the Eagles, and their offense in general, I think, is very disappointed at the way that they played. I think Minnesota is more in dire straits because they started out zero and one, especially against an opponent they should have beaten. Um, that's my thing. I wouldn't worry about last year if I'm then. I'm more about cleaning no. up this. This what happened last yeah, Sunday. No question about it. You know. Um, I think there's a possibility they could be two games down to both Green Bay and, and, and um, Detroit two games into the season. I think that's more of an urgency for them more so than anything else, um, and, and rightfully so. Right. Uh, but Jefferson is that guy who takes a lot of pride in what he does. Um, and, and I'm looking, I'm looking at his stats from 2022, and I thought – I thought the Eagles game was the game where he had the least amount of productivity, but he had he had six catches for 48 yards against the Eagles. Right. The next week against Detroit, he had three catches for 14 yards. And then further in the season against Dallas, he had three catches for 33 yards. Against the Jets, seven catches for 45 yards. And – the second game against Green Bay on, on New Year's Day, he had one catch for 15 yards. I guess it's, you know, he's an extremist. He either goes nuts or, or you can, you know, there's not a whole lot of productivity, I guess. But when you look at those stats, Robin, he still had 128 catches for 1,809 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's like, man, he's like, you're right, extremely high. Like his big games, he opened a season against Green Bay, nine catches, a buck 84. Right. And then other games, like he had 147, 154, 107, 115, 193, 139. He had 11 catches in uh, December of last year, 11 catches, 223 against Detroit. He had three consecutive games, Detroit, Indy, and the Giants, well over 100 yards. So those glaring games where he had 38, 15, 45, 33, 14, and 48 yards receiving, Man, did he make up for him in other games? Yeah, it's true. It's true, and, and I don't know. I guess I just look at it. And he had a, he had a very good week last week too. It's it's not like he he showed up. Um, but I wonder. I just wonder w- with an undermanned secondary, are you going to be able to to bottle him up? You know, two times in a row. I I wouldn't count on it. Like I think he's going to show up this week. I, I think he's going to have a game. I I do. And and Slay seems to have, to have uh, play him very well. Don't get me wrong. I can't imagine you're going to have a six catch, forty eight yard uh, performance out of yeah. him. You know, no, I know a lot of times, you know, receivers like to stay on one side of the field when they line up. Yeah. Um, and if he lines up on that left side, he's going to be matched up against Slay. If I was the if I was a Viking, because the Eagles don't like to move their cornerbacks, they don't like to float corners. If I was if I were the Vikings, I'd put Addison on the side of Slay. And I would put Jefferson on whoever the Eagles are starting on that other side, yep. because you know whoever's on the other side when they say that's Justin Jefferson, they're going to give him a little bit more cushion. 
they, you know, they don't want to get beat over the top. They're going to give him more cushion. Now, he's going to probably do a lot of damage underneath, but with the mindset from Jonathan Gannon to Sean Desai, we want to keep everything in front of us. That means if I'm Jefferson, I'm doing quick slants. I'm doing curls where I set down in a hole. I'm doing a lot of that stuff to be effective in this game until they start trying to squeeze them, and that's when the Vikings try to take the shot over the top. Yeah, I, I, if I'm the Eagles, um, I'm saying to Slay, man, you ready to follow him all day? Good. Let's go. I, I, am, I am keeping Slay on him. I'm not even messing with it, Gunner. I, I know I, what you mean. I agree. I'd be shocked if they – we don't see the Eagles move their corners back and forth like some teams do. Yeah, well, guess what? This is where I want to see Sean decide go out of the box a little bit here. I don't, I do not, no disrespect. I don't want Josh Job lining up on, on, on Justin Jefferson. I don't need to be seeing that. Okay. I'm good. Especially with the uncertainty of who's helping you over the top. That's the issue, too. Yeah, right. It's, it's not, a lot of this depends on help. And, you know, with Blankenship potentially out of there, you're already, man, you know, there's no CJGJ walking through that door anytime soon. So this is going to be a challenge. I think this is going to be a game where there's a lot of points scored there. I, I don't see this being Ooh. a low-scoring slog kind of game. I think points are going to be scored. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah, I well, do. I, I, don't know, I don't know how to gauge this one because I'm shocked. Again, it's, you know, Tampa Bay's got a good defense when they're healthy. I'm just shocked they were held to 17 points in their home opener. I really yeah. am. Over-under is 49. It's a big number. Is it? Are you taking over the under? Over. Are you really? Yeah, over. I like the over. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm looking at. All right, so the Kansas City Jacksonville over under is 51. So the Eagles are the second highest over under of any game. Yeah, I'm looking at everything. Okay, so of any game this week, they're the second highest over under. Wow. Um, which tells you Vegas thinks there's going to be some points scored in this. Like, I think the Eagles' offense bounces back. And I think Minnesota's offense looks better than it looked last week. So, yeah, I think there's going to be some scoring. Eagles are down some people on the, on the defensive side. Yeah, I think it's game you're going to have to score to win. Yeah, Mar- Marcus Davenport may not play for them. Right. Um, but you still have Dean Lowry, who they picked up from Green Bay, uh, coming off the edge with Harris, Harrison Phillips, Jonathan Bullard, and Danelle Hunter. Um, you got Jordan Hicks in the middle. Jordan Hicks always a solid player. You have Harrison Smith. On the back end, he's up there in age on the back end of the defense. Their cornerbacks are suspect. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from this 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 defense that, that Minnesota's throwing. I out. don't either. And, and I, they yeah. smartly people were asking Nick Sirianni about that today, and and they were they were posing it this way because it's Brian Brian Flores, not Ed Donatel. How different is how much can you take from last year? And, and what yeah. Nick said was, well, you know, that you make a point. He said they do have similar personnel, so we know what the tendencies of some of these guys are to do, but it is going to look different than it looked last year, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you know what Donatell's all about. I'm not a big fan of his, and I think Brian Flores is a good defensive coach. I just don't love their talent overall, Minnesota. The, the name Ed Donatell to me is the equivalent of Aaron Sippos to you. Let me put it like that. <laughs> Let me, it's let me that bad, huh? Yes, yes. Oh, my God. All right. Yes, that's why I was so happy when Green Bay finally <laughs> jettisoned him out of there. And sure enough, he goes to Minnesota with that same zone crap defense, and the Eagles took him apart last year. Yeah. So the fact that he lasted the entire season, I was shocked because that was Minnesota's Achilles heel. He would never come out of that zone defense. Mm-hmm. And we have a good offense. You can flood zones left and right, you know. Yeah. And he never came up. His guys never came up, played press covers, nothing. And guys were bickering. You know, they were bickering about, you know, the fact of the scheme that they were playing. 
because it made him look bad to put him in bad situations. Right. You know, right. now Brian Flores, you know, one game under his belt with this collection, I don't know what to expect. I mean, you know, for the most part, Minnesota knows what they're going to get from the Eagles offense. It's the same offense as last year. Mm-hmm. It didn't it didn't come out of the gate and, and flourish the way we thought it would the first game. But the Vikings know what to expect, you know. No, yeah. home, open, home opener for the Eagles. Um, Jaylen Not happy play. with the way that they played yeah. last week, even though they won. Yeah. Jalen didn't play a great game. The running backs and the running back situation in that first game still boggles my mind how they overuse Gainwell yeah. and barely use Swift. I, I, still- I don't like it. I, I personally don't like it. I, I will say this, though, Derek. I, I think uh, in listening to the Eagles this week and listening to them after the game, they know, too. They know. Yeah. They got lucky. Yeah. They got lucky. They, they, yeah. they play like that. I think if they play like that against Minnesota, they'll lose because Minnesota's going to score more points than, than New England did. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, can't, um, you can't play around with this team. You got to bury them early. All right. So one of the things I want to get into when we get back is the Eagles offensive line. We thought without a, without question, you know, arguably their greatest strength as a unit, uh, arguably the best offensive line in football didn't necessarily look like it last week. And I think they're going to get a healthy dose of blitzing. So let's dive into that when we come back. Then we'll get into some Viking stuff at 1230, uh, 2.30 today, uh, Scott Lauber is going to join us. We'll talk some Phillies. <sighs> that's, that's all I can say. I, 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 yeah. <sighs> Again, Rob, last night. Rob, now I understand. Zach Wheeler was on the hill against the most lethal offense in the National League. I get yes. that. Yep. I did not expect a Zach Wheeler to give up three home runs. No, I, the implosion yes. inning. He had a NOLA implosion inning, Derek. Yes, you did. another case of Nola itis. I'm, I'm shocked. It, I, you know, I, I'm not shocked that that uh, Zach Wheeler lost because it's a good. It was a great pitching matchup between Freed and Wheeler. Yeah, you know? and Freed was, was awesome. They, that's Philly really got started doing some things when he came out. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that, that Zach Wheeler looked like Aaron Nola on the hill, I know. I was sitting there with my mouth open, going, "Are you kidding me?" And then you waste another comeback. By the offense with clutch hitting Turner, Stott, Harper, the whole night, and you wasted again. Ah, and you so know, crazy. you know, I love you like a stepbrother, but I blame you for this loss. I blame it's you for this. Me. Yes, because we talked about this yesterday. You uttered the words where you started singing the praises of Kimbrel, oh, and I man. and I cut you off and I said, Rob, remember the last time we did this? Yes. Kimbrel came off a good outing, and we prayed, we sung his praises. Like the it. next outing, he blew up. Fair. Sure enough, we were praising him yesterday after coming off a good outing. He goes out and gives the lead right back up in the 10th inning. I know. I know. Look, my fault. <laughs> I'll, I'll wear it. All right, let's let's uh, let's get a timeout. Let's come back. Uh, and like I said, we'll delve into the Eagles, Eagles in general, offense, defense, what they need to do, who they could potentially attack on that on that Vikings uh, you know, offensive line. We'll get into all those things when we return. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I've been going there since I was a kid. I'm so happy that they're a part of the channel, part of the uh, the show as well. They've been family-owned since 1985. Man, they have unbelievable fresh food daily, not sitting under the heat lamp or any of that kind of stuff. 20 different styles of pizza. I get the grandma. Uh, they have slices to go. Um, they have pizza your way. So you call up and say, look, I, I want the uh, – I want the pineapple anchovy, even though I, I would never eat that to save my life. 
they will gladly make that up for you. It's it's pizza specialized your way, basically. And it's not just pizza. It's fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads, you name it. I, I mean, they will take care of you. Trust me when I tell you that. Bravo Pizza of Havertown also committed to the community. They did unbelievable work on Monday, September 11th for Team Foster. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of, at the Bravo Pizza of on Facebook and Instagram for daily specials and promotions. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. 
Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Yes, we are. Thanks for hanging out with us on this hump day. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis. Oh, what hang, Hanging out with you. Hump day. Uh, good to be with you as always, my friends. Um, we got our NFL segment coming up at 2 o'clock. Mentioned Scott Lauber at 2.30. All right, Derek. So let's look at a couple things here. Um, Brian Flores coached under Bill Belichick. Belichick generally is someone who is pretty creative with the way he goes about things defensively. Uh, if you watched last week, paid attention to the game last week, the uh, the Patriots blitzed about 42% of the time on Jalen Hurts. Now, here are his numbers. He was 7 for 13, 57 yards, a touchdown, and two sacks versus the blitz. So, I don't know, kind of mixed mixed numbers, which is kind of, you know, his game was kind of mixed. He had a couple moments and then didn't yeah. play great, you know, beyond that. So, I would assume you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, Daniel Hunter, who we talked about a little bit earlier, has two career sacks against the Eagles. He's definitely the guy, when you look at them defensively, especially the interior, who you start with, Derek. He's a guy you got to protect. And the offensive line for the Birds, particularly the tackles, have to be better because I don't think left or right tackle had their best game. This is a pride pride thing now because both my Lotta and, and uh, Lane Johnson, who basically coached up my Lotta, in a lot of ways outside of Stoutland take pride in the fact of being able to hold their own to allow their quarterback to do a lot of the things he does. They look at the game field. They understand they didn't play their best game coming out of the gate. And I attribute it to rust, you know, not getting a lot of game reps uh, or not getting any game reps basically in the preseason. They understand, even though it's a short week, this is a pride factor, especially it's a home game in front of their home fans. I'd be shocked if they had a similar game. Now, Minnesota's edge rushers, for the most part, are not great. Daniel Hunter is a good, good, good D lineman, um, but you can contain him. They've got to play better. They have got to play better. They cannot allow this Minnesota defense to think that they can stay on the field with this offense. It's a psychological game as well as a physical game, and you got to win the psych- psychological warfare early. You got to take you got to take the heart out of this Minnesota defense early, and I expect Flores. Now Flores didn't blitz much uh, in that first game against Tampa. Why would you not blitz Baker Mayfield? I don't know. I don't get that. They didn't either. blitz much in that first game. If 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 what we've talked about is true, Brian Flores is a direct disciple of Bill Belichick. Even though I'm not comfortable with my personnel yet, because let's face it, this is his first year with this unit. Okay, and. You've had spring to work with him. You've had training camps to work with him, but you've only had one real game to work with him. So it's still a feeling out process. Who does he trust in certain situations compared to who he doesn't trust, which is, which is a bigger question. You know, if he, if he calls a blitz, is, is he certain beyond a doubt that the other guys know exactly where they're supposed to lead, to be, uh, to cover the back end, floating into certain spots to make sure the back end is covered. Don't know that yet, but if I'm, if I'm Flores, I've got to attack, Jalen Hurts. I cannot let that man sit back there and just wait because A.J. Brown's going to kill him underneath. With the corners that the Vikings have, A.J. Brown will kill him. He'll have, he might have 11 catches by halftime. 
they don't do something to try to disrupt the flow and the timing of the Seagulls offense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Look, this should be a, you know, a game where the offense does a lot of things. And look, if they, if they look um, mediocre to less than mediocre again, then it's time to start worrying a little bit. Do you think we're going to see more RPOs? Do you think we're going to see them look more like the team that we saw last year in terms of the approach? If if we see a similar struggle for this Eagles offense this game, it tells me what we've talked about all summer, that coordinators have had all summer to study this Eagles offense. Now, obviously, you, you're more worried about studying the tendencies of your first opponent. But for, for teams that have to play the Eagles early in the season, they've had extended time to study and break down this offense, which tells me that defenses are catching up to what the Eagles are doing. And if that is the case, what is Brian Johnson going to do to counter these measures? You know, because if it continues to look stagnant and jagged, I guarantee you at some point we're going to find out from somebody on a whisper mill that Nick Sirianni is now calling the plays again, you know, Nick Sirianni is not going to let this go for too long. You know, the first four or five games you can get by. You look at the opponents they have for the first four or five games. After that, that's when the real season begins. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get you've got to get this offense back to where it was because, to me, now it's going to look like the offense is going to have to carry the defense even more so with this plethora of injuries that they have right now. Sure, uh, they, they look. They were going to have to to carry the load anyway. I I think early, but especially now. Uh, especially now with some of the injuries that you're talking about. So to me, there is no excuse for this offense not to look really good in this game this week. I, I think, and I, and I get it. You may look back at that Vikings game uh, against the Bucks last week and say, well, they didn't give a ton of up in that game. They didn't, but I don't know that that Bucks offense is a juggernaut. You should certainly see the Eagles bounce back. I mean, you know, you, if you take away the, uh, the field goals and the, and the takeaway, I mean, at 16 points, what did they, they, whatever they scored 11 or 12 points, the offense. Yeah. So they need to be better. I mean, plain and simple. Uh, they lost last week. Minnesota only gave up 20. I would expect that to look a lot different. That's for sure. I mean, if you can control Daniel Hunter and, and give Jalen that time, I think Jalen can do a lot of things. And I think this, I mean, if you go back and look at last year, you know, which we'll get into in a minute, but AJ Brown had five catches, 69 yards, Devontae yeah. seven for 80. Quez Watkins had a 53-yard touchdown, a deep one. Yeah, their their wideouts got loose, and I don't see a whole lot of change in that secondary that that's, that's scaring me. No, no. Matter of fact, and they lost they lost Eric Kendricks, you know, so they lost uh, a, a good piece of that brain trust in the middle of that defense as well. Um, so this is a, this is a this is a seek seek and and, and find mission uh, for both teams. You know, a young offensive coordinator for the Eagles who's finding his way and who realizes what he did on Sunday was not good enough to counter the best of the best. Now, Belichick's not co- coaching this defense, but one of his disciples is. But I always say you can try to emulate, you know, a, a mentor all you want, but can you do it to his level? You know, especially when you don't have the same type of personnel that he has. There is no Matthew Judon in this defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so it's, that's a big difference. Um, but I guarantee you, Flores has talked to Belichick. I guarantee you, Flores has studied that 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 uh, that Patriots defensive uh, game plan inside and out as he tries to implement some of the same things on a short week. Uh, So we're going to see it. We're going to see we're going to see something we're not expecting a little bit early on. 
you know, Vikings may try to shoot the gaps, delayed blitzes, or try to, you know, uh, blindside blitzes uh, to catch catch uh, Hurts and Appen. Well, you know, I expect to see I expect to see some unpredictability from this Vikings defense. Well, you know what? I I, I was thinking about this really since Nick Sirianni became the head coach. <sighs> Correct me if I'm wrong. When was do you remember the last time the Eagles ran a trick play and or a trick play? That was really successful. Again, under Sirianni, we know Doug used to do it. Philly special, et cetera, right, but right, right. I can't remember. Uh, to be honest with you, I can't either. Um, no, no, no. I, I honestly, I can't. No, I. I, I it's, it's strange that, that you don't ever see that from them. Yeah, but look, they didn't really need it. They no, were I know. Good, That's you true. know what I mean? They That's were true. that good. You know. And as even even as good as a, a, a as an as an offense like Kansas City and the 49ers are, they like to run plays of deception. You know yeah. that's a big part of their offense mm-hmm. is trying to trying to get um, a defense leaning one way and go back the other way. You know, whereas the Eagles just lined up and said, "Let me see if you stop. You, you can stop us." You know, we don't think you can stop us. And last year, nobody for the most part nobody could stop them. You yeah. know, except a couple of games. You know that that Hertz was out. You know, uh, the Saints stopped them. You know, um, but when you're that good and that deep and versatile, you don't have to use a lot of trickery. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing as not having to blitz a ton if you're you're getting home, you know, with, with your, your defensive four. line. Yeah. 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 I'm and, just wondering, may, hey, maybe maybe it wouldn't be a bad spot here. You know, it might not be a bad spot uh, to, to try it here on uh, on Monday night. Just thought, just uh, I was just thinking it, you know, out loud, but yeah. looking back. So, all right. So here's what they're going to have to deal with. Uh, the Eagles' the defense is going to have to deal with. We mentioned Hawkinson. So last year, two st- two stops here. He was in Detroit. He was in Minnesota. 86 catches, 914 yards, six touchdowns. So he is definitely going to be a handful. He did not play in the game last year because he was not a a Viking at that point. Right. Um. But I would assume, especially because the Patriots had success with their tight ends, that he is going to be a huge part of this game plan this week, especially with Dean out of there. With the potential of facing the, the pass rush that the Eagles can present, what's the best way to neutralize that? Quick. Quickly. Quick quick passes over the middle, quick swing passes. Catch those edges coming up, and hopefully you catch a linebacker out of position. Um, that's the best way to lo- neutralize that rush. That's what I expect to see. Now we know Kirk Cousins is going to take a deep shot at some point, yeah. and you better hope Justin Jefferson doesn't get behind your coverage because he's going to take two or three deep shots in this game. But for the most part, I'm going to dink and dunk this Eagles defense up and down the field and try to suck the safeties in cheating and try to get the corners creeping up as well, which will tell me is when I can call an audible at the line of scrimmage and try to take a deep, deep shot down the sideline or on a deep post route over the middle of the field. That uh, yeah, meant to yeah. see from cousins to be honest. Well, I, I just think that here's the good news: as lack um, quarterbacks who aren't as mobile, like Cousins. This this applies to any quarterback, but especially quarterbacks who aren't as mobile. Get them up the middle, and Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Fletcher all had really good games last week. And considering Ed Ingram is not the greatest guard in the world, I think you're going to be able to get pressure up the middle which is going to flush him left to right, which feeds you right into Reddick and Sweat and Brandon Graham and that crew. You should be able to get home. We know Cousins will Harry throws sometimes if he's under pressure. We know he will fumble. 
He will. He fumbled last year against the Eagles. He fumbled last week against the Bucs. This should be a multiple turnover kind of game for the Birds. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I'm looking at this Eagles schedule and looking at the quarterbacks they're going to face. Um, now, they've got Baker Mayfield down in Tampa next. Baker will scramble. Sam Howell is athletic. I don't, I'm not, I'm not afraid of a Sam Howell. He's still learning, but he will scramble. Matthew Stafford is more, is more is similar to a Kirk Cousins. Yep. He will only run if he absolutely has to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Wilson will be running for his life when they play the Jets. Tua will take off and run. You got Howell again. Dak Prescott doesn't like Dak will run, but he doesn't like to run. You know, Mahomes will step up and run. You know, Josh Allen will, will take off. Purdy will take off. Dak again. Uh, um, Dak again. Geno Smith will run. You know, Daniel Jones is like having an extra running back in the backfield. Um, and I'm assuming by that time, Kyler Murray will be back with Arizona by December 31st. You know he's going to run. You know he, he. To me, he's more dangerous as, as a runner than he is as a passer. So you only have a couple, a couple stationary targets that you're going to face um, this entire season. So the Eagles, not only have, do they have to start getting that pass rush back to what it was, but they have. it has to be etched in their minds. We have to be disciplined. We can't over-pursue a lot of these guys. They did a good job of that last year, but they weren't playing front a lot of front-line quarterbacks last year. But against these guys, they potentially are going to play. And who knows? They may have a game where you're not going to play a front-line quarterback, plain and simple. Yeah. You know, Aaron Rodgers, gone for the season. We could have another starter. You don't. You, we don't know what. Yeah, it's why it's so hard to to, to yeah. make wins and losses because you, know. you just don't know. I mean, everything's changed with the Jets so much. Uh, you know, and and you're right, and, and that all went flying out the window. All right, here's the other big thing: the Vikings did not run the ball well last year, last nope. year, last night, and nope. last time the Eagles played, or nope. Sunday, and, and the last time the Eagles played. So on Sunday, uh, Derek, they rushed 17 times for 41 yards. That's 2.4. Uh, 2.4 per carry. Yep. You, you have made, they made themselves completely one dimensional. And this is where letting Dalvin cook walk. Absolutely. Potentially bites you here. Absolutely. Now um, the, the, the running back who took over for the Vikings, he's a good back, but he's Madison, not yeah, Alexander Madison. Yeah. Madison. Yeah. He's good back, but he's not, he's more of a banger between the tackles. Um, you know, Dalvin cook, you can line him up outside. He can kill you a number of different ways, and they didn't address the issue really. They were confident that what they have in house already was good enough. But I do believe their lack of rushing prowess was directly related to the injuries they had along the offensive line. And if that is the case, the way Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter played, it plays right into the Eagles. They're not going to be able to run up the middle of the field. They're not the Vikings, and I think the Eagles are just too fast for them on the outside as well. Madison's not a speed back. You know, so I think you have them right where you want them, which means you can make that Vikings offense one dimensional, which means that defensive front will have a lot more chances to put Kirk Cousins on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's where this game is won and lost. It's going to be getting to Cousins, certainly on that side of the ball. It's going to be getting to Cousins, forcing new mistakes, make them one dimensional. That's the other part. Jump on them early like you did last year. And they're not even going to attempt to run the ball. It's going to be trying to get it down the field to 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 the tight end and to Jefferson, and to Addison. And then all of a sudden, you can really tee off. Uh, but if they're if they're getting chunks early, if Madison is able to run the ball early, then they're going to be able to stay honest here. Um, but that's that's also another thing that you want to be uh, 
you want to be looking at, that's for sure, uh, when it comes to this game. I would say yep. that, uh, and then obviously you go back to the other side with the defensive line uh, is going to be huge. But I'm really worried about the middle of the field here. I can't emphasize that enough. There's no Nicobe Dean. You're looking at your starting linebackers now are Zach Cunningham, who wasn't with the team when camp started, and Christian Ellis, who was a guy who really didn't get an opportunity until the end of last year on yeah. special teams yeah. Yeah. as your starting linebackers here. Yeah, and, and, and I'm looking at this stat also, Rob. Um, you look at the breakdown of, of, the, of the Eagles' edge rushers, which is really surprising in a lot of ways here. Um, you, uh, where, where was it here? Okay, edge rushers. Josh Sweat played 59 snaps. Hassan Reddick, 58 with that bad thumb. Brandon Graham, only 21 snaps. Barnett, 16. Nolan Smith played seven snaps. It's all? Barnett seven. got more than Smith, huh? Seven snaps. We, we were talking about this in a meeting. You know, did, I didn't notice Nolan Smith doing anything, and now I understand why. If you know, is that shoulder bothering him? Yeah, I, I would worry about it. it. You know, it, you and I, I were don't talking. Want to create a controversy here. No, no, but I mean, this is how little I noticed him. I watched it live. I watched the replay, and you and I were talking before the show. And we both said, "Wait, he was active, right?" And he was active, but he just he wasn't a part of anything. Yeah, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. Why did he only play seven snaps? Yeah. So now that's something we definitely have. Now, I'm looking up. It's weird. You look at snap counts, and you look at various outlets that, that give you the snap counts from individuals, and, you know, sometimes the numbers differ. So I, I looked at one site. So now I'm looking at a completely different site, and it says here, let's see, um, to, 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 to Nolan Smith, Nolan Smith. Um, Nolan Smith played 9%. Yep, it's consistent. He played seven snaps, 9% of the snaps. That's it. Yeah. That's a a low number. I'd have to really look at the way they parsed it out for Brandon Graham last year to see if that's about where he was last year, too. That feels a little light for him uh, as well. Yeah, if if he's your third guy, he's going to have to play more snaps than that. You know, yeah, playing- I, I think if they, in hindsight, they would get Goddard involved more. I think they would have gotten Swift involved more. I think maybe you would have saw a little more Brandon Graham and a little bit more Nolan Smith on the other side, too. I, yeah. I think there's, Derek, here's what we're seeing. We're seeing two new coordinators. Yep. And there's growing yep. pains here. Plain and simple. Yep. yep. And, and it's going to be trial and error. And luckily, the schedule early on is stacked to where they can try a lot of different trial and error things and still overcome whatever weaknesses they might have. Right. But, but the fact that you only played Brandon Graham, 21 snaps and Nolan Smith, seven is a little eye opening to me. You yes. know, Brandon Graham was healthy. How healthy is Nolan Smith? You know, you, he looked good playing in preseason games. Right. Why didn't you give sweat and Hassan Reddick more of a rest? You know, I'm not to say they weren't effective in what they were doing, but you know, last year, they, it was predicated on – now, granted, Hassan Reddick played a lot of snaps coming off that edge, but you get, you rotated them in, in and out to keep them fresher. That wasn't the case this time. You know, and what are you going to have to do now? What are you going to do now if, 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 it's, if it's Nolan Smith's shoulder, what do you do now when the middle of your linebacking core is out, one of your safeties could be out, your, 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 one of your top corners is out? What do you do now hmm. in terms of getting more heat on a Kirk Cousins? 
you've got to play you've got to play Brandon Graham more snaps. Uh, I mean, at least 35, 40 snaps. Yeah, yeah, and one other thing I just want to mention too when it comes when it comes to blitzing, you also want to have somebody who's good at it coming off the edge, whether it's yeah. a safety blitz yeah. or a corner blitz or a linebacker blitz. Uh, you know, I don't know that they have that guy right now. You know, I, that's the other thing you have to take into account a little bit. So again, this is where it's going to be in, incumbent upon the defensive line to get the sack, to get home rather than yeah. having the sack. Yeah. Because the other thing is you don't want to have some of these guys in one-on-one coverages, your safeties, your linebackers with Hawkinson, for example, or something like that. Or if they go four wide out, yeah. it, it can be a little sketchy. I, I think it's just, they're going to play very similar uh, in terms of the, in terms of, I think the way they approach it against Minnesota. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really concerned with how they're going to try to defend Hawkinson in the middle. Who's going to cover to be honest. We haven't even I, talked about who the Vikings' third receiver is because Avante Maddox has to figure into this equation also. You cannot put Maddox in Hawkinson. You cannot. I don't, no. care how, I don't care how fast Maddox is. He's still 5'10", compared to this guy being 6'5". You yeah, know? you can't do that. The size, the size difference is too big. K.J. Osborne is not a bad third receiver. That's their third guy. So they, okay. yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll throw three at you that are pretty good. So I'm not – you know, this is – there's the Eagles have a bit of a drop off after their one two. I I think they have the Vikings have less of a drop off than the Eagles do with KJ uh, Osborne. Yes. I like yes. KJ Osborne. I do too. You know yeah. he's not he's not a, a name that just rolls off your tongue when you talk about top receivers in the game, but he's a reliable receiver. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm looking at him uh, at his what he ended up doing last year. So he's uh... all right. So last season he ended up. Not not bad. Uh, he had 82 catches, or sorry, 50 catches, 655 yards, seven touchdowns. That's good for a third wide receiver. That's really good for a third wide out. But I yeah. think Maddox can handle him. You know. Yeah. No. I, I I'm I'm good with that too. I'm good with that too. The, really, let's face it. It's going to be Jefferson. It's going to be the tight end. I, I'm not afraid of the running game at all. Well, uh, don't forget Addison. Now it depends on what Addison. Terrible. Addison. Addison will be. If 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 Darius Slay's primary objective is to cover Jefferson, if if Slay's primary objective is to cover Jefferson, which he did last year, yeah, then how how does Addison match up against Job or whoever they put on that other side? Yep, that's going to be the key. I agree. I agree. All right, you know, uh, nice touchdown catch his first game. You know, Kirk Cousins hit him over the middle. You know, I mean, on a on a, on a, um, a seam route right. uh, for a touchdown last week. So he can go. He can, he can flat out go. I liked him in college at Pitt and at USC. I mean, yep. he's the, he's a. They needed someone to replace Thielen, you know, and they went yep. out and they made it a priority and they they brought in a really good player. So uh, yeah. Uh, all right, let's come back and let's dive a little bit more into the Vikings. I'll give you some more numbers and sort of paint the picture of what went on Week One for them uh, against Tampa Bay. What cost them? Kind of where they are. So we'll do that. When we come back, don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, Jim Marion Principal Financial Group are the place that you want to go to invest, to take care of yourself down the line, to take care of yourself in the present day. Uh, you work too hard, man. You work too hard for that money not to work for you as well. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience, it took me a while to find the right person, but I finally did, and it's Jim Marion Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review. You might have a small business. You need help with the employee benefits. 
That's another resource that Jim can help you with. I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You could also email him as well. Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Back, Sports Take Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis Hanging out with you Wednesday uh, And tomorrow we have a game, D-Gunn We have a game tomorrow Yes, Uh, Thursday night football Eagles, Vikings Eagles seven point favorites in this game uh, over Minnesota was seven and a half. It dropped a half point for whatever that's worth. But mm. uh, yeah, going to be an interesting one. They played week two last year under the lights as well. And the Eagles handled them uh, to the tune of 24 to seven. Derek, so let me give you some things that went on in that game. 
last year. So Jalen Hurts threw. Um, I didn't. I forgot about this. He had 301 total yards. Yep. Just in the first half. Just yeah. in the first half. Yeah. Uh, he ended the game with 333 passing yards and a passing touchdown, 57 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. He took them apart. Uh, yeah. He he had a really really big game. I mentioned Quez Watkins talk, so, uh, caught the touchdown pass. It was a long one, 53 yards. Brown, five catches, 69 yards. Uh, Devontae, seven catches, 80 yards. Slay, two interceptions in the game. Really nullified uh, Justin Jefferson as well. Uh, the Eagles sacked Cousins twice. Uh, they only got in the red zone three times. They were one for three, Minnesota. Minnesota had six penalties, 45 yards. So that, that anyway, that that's... Some of the things that went on, and you take it all with a grain of salt. It's a different team, certainly on the defensive side, but very similar personnel on the offensive side for the Vikings. Yep, and, and I'm looking at what the Vikings did in this first game uh, um, against Tampa Bay's defense, and obviously Justin Jefferson was a show, but Addison had a touchdown catch. He averaged 15 yards a catch, so it's it's still a big play offense. Uh, Hawkinson though, only had um, eight he had eight catches for only 35 yards, 4.4 yards per catch. He had 14 targets, so obviously – Last um, week, yeah. Yeah, last week. So, obviously, Cousins is looking for him. Um, no, he, I'm sorry, he had nine targets. He had the second most targets behind Jefferson, but he only had – out of eight targets uh, – out of nine targets, eight catches, 4.4 yards of catch. His longest catch was 14 yards. I expect I, – I hate to say this, but I expect him to open it up even more so against this Eagles defense, especially considering – that the same problem they had last year, we talked about it all offseason, is the same problem this defense is having right now, defending the middle of the field. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I think going into a game, priority one for the Vikings is always Justin Jefferson, but I don't see any way that Hawkinson isn't a close 1A or, you know, or number two here with how good he is and how banged up the Eagles, you know, linebackers are and, and safeties, frankly. So I, I, I think they're going to attack hard. I, look, they are going to pass a lot. It just makes sense. Oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're they're just a better passing team, frankly. Oh, heck, yeah, there's no question. They basically just use the run to set up their pass. And when you look at you look at um, Kirk Cousins' numbers historically, you know, this man, last year he put up 400 – I'm sorry, he put up 643 passing attempts, 4,500 yards, 29 touchdowns, 14 picks. The year before – 561 passing attempts, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Mm. So he's going to put up a lot of passes in this game. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, how effective is he going to be? That remains to be seen. Because even though the, the, the Vikings got younger and a little bit faster wide receiver, Adam Thielen was a very crafty receiver yep. in terms of finding open spots in defenses. Adam Thielen was never the fastest guy, but a very crafty very smart, very sure route runner. Addison is still is still learning his way. Now, if Bradbury was on the, uh, that other side, I'd say Addison might not be a factor in this game. But because the Eagles are patching up their defense in a number of directions, especially if Blankenship doesn't play as well as Bradbury and Nicobe Dean, I think that balances the playing field just a little bit based on his just overall athleticism. And like you said, you liked him at both Pitt and USC. I loved him at USC. Yeah, he look. He's he's very good. I mean, he is really, really good. I, I meant to ask you this in the first segment. I want to throw it out there right now, and, and folks in the chat want to jump in there. Please do. 
So if I said to you, if I asked the Eagles question of the day right now to you, Derek Gunn, and I said to you, yeah. after week one's performance, all right, you are concerned, not concerned, mildly concerned. I'll give you three choices, concerned, not concerned, mildly. And you, you, this could be overall, this could be specific to the offense, specific to the defense, whatever, wherever you want to take it. What, what would it be for you? As you were asking the question in my mind before you you just said it, I would I couldn't give you an overall encompassed answer. It would have to be one for the offense, one for the defense. Okay, let's when do it. Comes, let's do offense and defense then. When it comes to the offense, I'm not concerned. Okay. Uh, because it's a one-game sample. And there's too much talent there on that side yes. of the ball in your estimation. Okay. When it comes to the defense, I have concerns. Yep. I've, I have concerns because of the injury factor. I have concerns because of the the youth involved. And now it's like they're playing musical chairs with personnel. You know, what are we going to get out of a Christian Ellis? Mm-hmm. Um, what are we going to get out of Zach Cunningham? Because Zach Cunningham didn't have a great game against the Patriots, against the, the pedestrian Patriots offense. Yep. You know, uh, what are we going to get out of whoever fills in for, for Bradbury on, on the opposite of Darius Slayside? Um so I have I have a lot of concerns about the defense. Okay, Daz brings up a good point. Play calling. This is an interesting one too, Gunner. Only yeah. concerned that they look the same on Thursday. Like True. not ready to go there yet. One game. It's I, and I think that's a fair True. approach. You know, okay, the then point. we have then we have to revisit this question on Friday because as we rev- as we talk about this now on the eve of game number two, we have to base it on a one game sample. So even though the the play calling and the offensive flow was jagged. Like we just said, there's too much talent on that side of the ball for that to be the norm for this for this team offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, this could be a roller coaster ride the entire season. It could be. Yeah, you know. And well, Drew, I, I, linebackers. I, I are- think I think you answered answered it great. First of all, I, I would agree with you. I think the offense will come around. I'm basing yeah. some of this, especially the offensive line on the way they looked last year which wasn't good against Detroit and Detroit wasn't a good defensive team and they didn't no, look good. No, no. So I, I believe the offensive line, I heard Kelsey this morning uh, on WIP's morning show, basically saying like, there's a lot of sloppy things that are easily corrected and that we need to just be better at in, in terms yep. of attention to detail. And he said, it's not, it's not rocket science, but we have to get better because it's the little things that cost you. So I thought that was, you know, an interesting take. So anyway, I think they will be better. Uh, I think the offensive line will block it up better. And I think they will be better. Um, there's no way you're not concerned about the defense. I'm sorry. We went into the season concerned and now they've, they've lost the Kobe Dean. You know, they could be without other people as well. Uh, and there's already, they're already a little bit suspect there at the linebacker spot at the safety spot. We don't know about Sean Desai as a defensive coordinator, right? You know, the good news is some of the young guys that you were counting on played great. And I think that can be carried over for sure. I mean, Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis playing as well as they played. That's an encouraging sign. But there are things that worry you here with this defense. And I, I think you're turning a blind eye to it if you're not concerned about the defense. Beyond the Vikings game, there's seven there's seven games that I worry about this team, team defensively matching up against opposing offenses. Obviously, Miami is one. Dallas twice, that's three. Kansas City is four. Buffalo, five. We can say what we want to say about Josh Allen, but Josh Allen does have the capability, even though he played terribly uh, Monday night. He does have the capability and the weapons to chew a defense up. Yep. So that's five. San Francisco six, Seattle seven. So you got seven out of sixteen games, seven out of seventeen games where I do worry about this defense matching up against opposing offenses. I don't, I didn't include Minnesota because I don't know what to expect. 
And I'm still sitting here baffled how Minnesota was held to 17 points at home against Tampa Bay. Uh, turnovers, I think, played a played a uh, role. Yes, you know, uh, and yeah. that's always that's been something with Kirk Cousins. You got to watch, you know, at times, at times. Um, but even if even if they're going in this game fully healthy, I'd still have. I would put myself in the with the defense concern. I, I wouldn't do a mildly. I would say concerned with the defense, and I would say I think the offense is going to be fine. Um, what I worry about with the defense is they're not going to be able to get to the quarterback at the rate that they got there last year, which is going to expose some of the things on the back end. Yeah. That isn't as good. What may be at the safeties or the linebackers teams know to attack the middle of the field. That's what they're doing. Um, and that's where you're going to see Hawkinson. That's where you're going to see KJ Osborne. That's where you're going to see them maybe dumping the ball off to running backs out of the backfield. Just, just challenge that those linebackers to make plays until proven otherwise. That's what you're going to attack, as you should if you if you're if you're O'Connell, uh, Kevin O'Connell, and that crew. And, and and as Forrest Hill said, can't expect the Eagles uh, to be 2022. No, we can't. We talked about this all off season. Once free agency uh, weaned itself out, and we saw how many players the Eagles lost on that defense, we know it's going to go through a growing spurt. And we knew that with new coordinators, whoever whoever came in here, it's going to be growing pains. Can they grow enough? to be at least consistently efficient across the board. I don't know because honestly, I don't think Rob, we're going to have, you know, again, what was the biggest, biggest criteria keeping players healthy, which they did all last season. Here we are week number two, and we're already looking at a multitude of injuries on this team. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. It was going to be impossible to stay as healthy as they stayed last year. It just was. And, And what hurt you is last year you had depth. Yeah, you don't have depth this year. You you're real, you are really thin at some of these spots, and you got a bunch of young kids filling spots. Now they're, they're they're athletic players, good good players, but this is a learning curve. Each this season is a learning curve. Look at the different types of quarterbacks and offenses they're going to play. Yeah, across the board, this is a learning curve for this young group, and I expect them to grow and get better as it goes along. But there's growing pains involved, and with those growing pains comes. Mistakes. I agree. I you just it. hope those mistakes are not glaring mistakes. And we and this is not pat ourselves on the back time, but you and I said it all off season, like, like when we knew who the personnel was, that the defense, especially with some of the players that you're being asked to step up, you were going to take a little bit of a hit. Yes. You know, and I don't. Sean decide by the end of the year, we may all be saying, "Oh my god, man, this guy." is legit. Uh, this is not a knock on Sean Desai. I don't care who the new defensive coordinator was. It was going to take him a little while. Yes. Derek, you think about it. You have uh, two new linebackers, two new safeties. Uh, did Jalen Carter officially start or did Jordan Davis? I think Davis did. Whatever. But I think Davis. Um, I, think it, I think it was Davis. But, but you have like five or six or seven new players starting. Yeah. And you lost a lot of depth. Think about you, you lost the you know CJ GJ, Epps, uh, TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, all experienced guys, you know, in the secondary or at your linebacker position who are all gone. Hargrave's gone now. So far, they've done a nice job replacing him, but he's still gone. Uh, a guy who was eleven uh, an eleven sack guy, and all those for all those reasons, you're going to take a step backwards. It just is what it is. Well, look look at you know look at what Kansas City did last year. Look how many kids they played on the back end of their defense. And they went through growing pains, but they found a way to win 14 out of 17 and go on to win the Super Bowl because their offense was intact and it was a dominant offense. Yeah. Same thing with this Eagles offense. 
this offense can be dominant once again. You look at Kansas City's stats across the board, they were an average defense last year. Mm -hmm. They were an opportunistic defense. And that's what this defense has to be. They got two turnovers the first game, which directly helped it, uh, led to 13 points. You know, would they have scored those 13 points the way that game played itself out without those two big turnovers? Right. You don't know. Exactly. That's huge. If not, yeah. they don't win that game. Yeah. And, and that's it, look, and that's a good sign because we talked about this before the season. It, they they have to be opportunistic. They started the they still finished in the top five, but they still yeah. for a long time, Derek, they were number one in takeaways yes. as a team. So yes. good the good news is you got a couple already. You had this you had the interception for pick six, you had the strip sack of Zeke yep. uh, by Jordan Davis, which Zach Cunningham recovered. They're off to a good start on that side. So that's encouraging. It's not all bad, you know, coming no. away from this game as you know, on defense. There were some good things. No, we don't we don't use the word bad, but but it is concerning. Yeah. You know, there's there's concerns, and rightfully so. If you watch the game, you can see there's going to be concerns because the same group of players that played in that season opener against New England are not playing Thursday night against Minnesota on a short week. Yeah. So there are concerns. And when we when we sit down and analyze this thing on Friday, we're gonna talk about were the concerns minimized or were they glaring? Yeah. Coming out of that Minnesota game. And, yeah, we're going to talk about, hey, first game sort of uh, jitters, for lack of a better word, right, what, you know, where you're just kind of getting things. You're finally playing a real game, and there's some mistakes being made or whatever. How much of it was just that versus, okay, this might really be a problem because for the second straight week they attacked this or this didn't look so good. Right. We're going to have, a, I think, a way better handle on this team Friday when we're sitting here Friday going over things than we Which, do right now. Because, frankly, I think there's a lot of teams – from week one that, that maybe didn't play up to their expectation that are way Absolutely. better than what they showed you. Absolutely. You know, we thought Pittsburgh was going to be a lot better coming out of the gate than they were. I certainly did. You know, yeah. I thought the bears would be a lot better offensively coming out of the gate than they were. Yep. Um, you go, Oh my goodness. Seattle. Well, let, let, let's go through it. So like uh, Buffalo certainly, certainly didn't play up to what Buffalo. we think they're capable of right in that game doing large part to the quarterback turning the football over, but he nonetheless, uh, Cincinnati played horribly. Okay. Yep. Uh, you know, against Cleveland, um, Minnesota, a, Minnesota, another good example, uh, Seattle. Seattle, the, uh, the Steelers who you mentioned for sure, like neither Minnesota or new Orleans lit the world on fire. Somebody no. had to win the game. No. Uh, and that one, the Broncos did not play well. We thought nope. they were going to be a lot better. Chargers, that might just kind of be who they are, where they're they're in shootouts and they you know win some, lose some, whatever. But the Giants, the, the, the Giants were an embarrassment. So yeah. they're, they're, the point is, we just named seven, eight teams that we think are way better than they are, who didn't come out and play well. And the good news is, all those teams we named, yep, lost. Eagles they lost. won. They lost exactly. You know what? Even when you're at your best. Every win's not a pretty win. I'll take an ugly win over over an ugly loss any day of the week. Yeah, I just just rack up those W's, man. Because you know, as Sean, as what Nick Sirianni said, um, look, wins in the NFL are hard to come by. You know, and I think it was Robert Sala who said that wins in the NFL are hard to come by. Period. Whether you're healthy or not, you know, so you savor each win. So I don't care how the Eagles get to the finish line, long as they cross their finish line in front of the opponent. That's all that matters. All yeah, that. like I'll put it to you this way, Derek. If this, if that uh -huh. Patriot game had been week uh, thirteen or fourteen, 
and they went on the road in kind of sloppy conditions and won an ugly game. I don't know that we bat an eye. Like, honest to God, it's because it's the first game. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's the first time you're getting to see this product after the Super Bowl loss, after all the hype of the offseason, you know, getting through that preseason, which feels like it's forever. You, you view it differently. It's a different prism than you would have if it was later. Ooh. Think about it. You remember last year, the Eagles escaped Houston, escaped Indianapolis, two terrible teams yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there wasn't panic in the streets over that. You know, yeah. It's timing. Um, it, it's, 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 it's every across the board is what we expect to see in week one of the NFL. The yeah. week one is such a mystery and teams don't really, except for teams like the 49ers, the Eagles, Dallas, Kansas city, even though Kansas city lost, <clears throat> you know what to expect from those teams coming out of the gate. Even if it's not as fluid, you know what they're going to look like. We're not really going to, find out what a lot of teams look like until week four, week five, or week six, you know, because along the way, a lot of those teams or all of those teams are going to have to plug and play some players. They weren't expecting to have to step up because of injury of the injury factors, but the better teams overcome some of the losses that they, they incur along the way. And so by week six, we'll know who's who across the board in the national football league. Yeah, no, no question. I, so I, I, I think there's like, uh, it's just, uh, again, a lot of this depends on the prism you're viewing it through for sure. Do you buy into the Cousins primetime thing? So he's eight and 10 as a Vikings quarterback in what are deemed primetime games. Do you think there's something real to that um, where he comes up small in those kind of games? You just think that's one of those sort of manufactured stats? No, the stats speak for themselves. Look at his record, look at his performance. In primetime games, it's not anything like a one o'clock game or a four twenty-five game for him. You know, so there's a lot of validity to it. What is it about him under the bright lights of Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, where he he he's he's not as consistent as he did as he normally is, not as accurate, not as lethal as he can be. You know, so yes, that that record is held true to form, you know, and he's talked about it. He's tried to joke, joke his way out of it when he's asked questions about it. Yeah, I know I got to do a better job. And he goes out and flops again. Right. You know, so I believe there's something to it. And I believe, I believe it's a mental thing with him. It's ingrained in his head so much. It's been talked about so much that it becomes a mental thing with him. And yeah, I, the hope, other, I hope it yeah. holds true tomorrow night. I, I sure hope <laughs> it holds true tomorrow night. Uh, the other thing that was interesting, the Bucks running back Rashad White, yeah. Uh, says that or said that Baker Mayfield figured out the Vikings defensive signals. Did you see this what? story? What? Yeah. And I, if I'm, if I'm Tampa, I'm like, dude, shh. but whatever. Uh, after the game, um, Mayfield attributed it to the decision to use tempo late in the first half. Uh, on Tuesday night, Rashad White threw something else out there. White said Mayfield figured out the Vikings defensive signals. He said, quote, I just remember Bake came into the locker room literally at halftime and said, I got it. We got all these signals. White said of Mayfield during the appearance on Bucks radio. Uh, we're, we're in there talking as an offense, and he's like, I know all these signals. If they do this, they're going to cover two. If they do that, they're going to cover three. Every time I alert this, they do this signal. They're dropping back to this. So, you know, don't you think the Eagles are going to be looking into that pretty heavily? Yeah, but you just – if that is the case and if Brian Flores looks at it, you basically are helping the Vikings. Yeah. 
you're, you're helping the Vikings out. You keep that stuff to yourself. You know, That's where I'm, where I'm, you know, I'm grabbing him. If I'm Todd Bowles, I'm like, yo, kid, shush. Exactly. Now, if, if I'm him and I have friends on the Eagles, I say, hey, man, tell your quarterback, here's what to look for. You don't openly tell that because now the Vikings have, even though it's a short week, they have times to change up those signals now. You're right. You know, and young players, yeah, I mean, come on, man. You don't, you got, yeah, you got to have, you got to talk to him. Somebody's got to talk to him. Hey, look, dude. Now, I don't think we're a playoff team, but if somehow, some way we got to the playoffs and we'd have to cross up Minnesota again, you just basically gave them the advantage back. Keep that stuff to yourself. Youth, man. Utes. The Utes, Gunner. The Utes. Utes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I don't know. It's it's just the way things are uh, this day and age. But real quick, back to Jalen Carter. 40 snaps against uh, New England. Eight pressures, one sack, seven hurries. Mm. I don't know that a D tackle can have a much mm. better game than he had. That that is a monster debut for a football player hey, as, you, as an NFL player. We we kept hearing about this young man in training camp. We kept hearing about it when they would have scrimmages against other teams. We saw it briefly in preseason games, and he has not disappointed in one game in a regular season. And if he's going up against another offensive line that's going to be hurt interior-wise interior from frontline players to back up, I expect him to have similar numbers again. I think he should. Ha- I think he'll have even more opportunities because Minnesota is so pass-heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to have more opportunities to to, to, to uh, increase the sack total, more pressures on the quarterback. Uh, he's fa- he's faster than Cousins. As big as he is, he's faster than Kirk Cousins. So I expect him to get his hands on Kurt a few times as well. So uh, yeah. Um, so far, so good um, on what this young man brings to the table and how he's helping open up some other things. Because if he if he's shooting at the A and B gaps like that, you know they're gonna the Vikings offensive line is gonna have to pinch, which means your tackles are gonna be in more one on one situations with those Eagles ed, edge rushers, and hopefully the edge rushers can win more battles than they lose this time. Yeah. Uh, so news from Giants practice: Giants quarterback, a corner cornerback. Uh, Amani Orijawari uh, was hurt during a special teams drill. Uh, it was carted off. There's now an ambulance taking him out of the place. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. That's during practice, man. That is. Oh, my uh, so, yeah, uh, that's, again, it, it's like the thing you just, you're tiptoeing around and you're hoping. That's all it is, man. You're hoping. You're just hoping. Uh, that's really what it amounts to. All right. So we're, we're, uh, we're going to flip things a little bit. Generally, the last segment, we, we kind of jump around, do some open talk stuff, do birthdays and movies. We're going to actually do that next because we have Scott Lauber joining us to talk some Phillies uh, from Citizens Bank Park at 2.30. 2 o'clock, we'll do our NFL segment, including some interesting stuff on Travis Kelsey. Uh, but when we come back, kind of jump around. Gutter, I will, I will tell you what the cheapest ticket is to watch Colorado, Colorado State. Your mind's going to be blown. The cheapest not Wait, before you, tell me, before you tell me, I'm going to guess now because, you know, coming out of break, you'll say, D-Gun, you cheated if I get close to it. Okay, I guess now. I had no, I had no idea you were going to bring this topic up. So I'm going to say, based on what I've read and followed on Colorado the last couple of weeks, they've sold out home games for the, fir- the, the entire season for the first time in 27 years. They've only had two winning seasons in the last 25 years. They're off to a 2-0 and start. The, their season opener was, was against – the defending runner-up. Right. They had fifty thousand people at a, at a at a spring game 
I'm going to say the cheapest ticket right now is in the 650 range. Now, don't even tell me the answer until we come I'm back. I'm not telling you. We'll find right, out when we get back. All right, we'll find out when we get back. All right, that's, that's Gunner's guess. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we'll, that'll be part of what we do. we got a bunch of other stuff to dive into. We'll do all that when we return. Don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis hanging out with you. We are Sports Take. All right, Pro Action Restoration, because this is – we get such extreme weather now. I know Derek and I experienced it in our, our area get some of these hard rains, you can get some flooding. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of other byproducts of that. You could have fire, you could have smoke, you have mold damage, any kind of damage to your property. You're not really sure how to handle it, right? Well, ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist you. Uh, I went through it. I had some water damage at my parents' house a few years back. I reached out to them on a Saturday. They came right over and they cleaned it up. They fixed the problem. The crew was professional. The price was right. It was really everything you could ask for. ProAction Restoration is licensed, bonded, and fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades, and they will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, if it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Rob Ellisner, done hanging out with you on this Wednesday. Little has a different feel to it with the Eagles playing on a Thursday, that's for sure. But uh, we're gonna have Zach, uh, excuse me, uh, Dave Zingaro join us tomorrow uh, from NBC Sports Philadelphia. He'll be hopping on with us at twelve thirty uh, tomorrow. All right, Derek. So you guessed, you guessed at what the cheapest ticket for the Colorado Colorado State game is, which is at Colorado. Uh, I said number I said 18 in the country, by the way. But go ahead. No. What was your guess one more time? 650. You went a little high. Oh, okay. little. it's not okay. quite. The, yeah. I mean, it's it's 230. 230. Only 230. That's a lot for a college game. Yeah. But, dude, this is this is not this is not just a college game. Deion Sanders is making a lot of people a lot of money. Okay, <laughs> That's true. Now, anytime a college can raise $28 million in a matter of six, seven months to pay a head coach, the, the, the game they played against TCU. That was the first game, yeah. It might, it might even have been against Nebraska. Was the most watched Colorado game ever. He's making, he's making the conference and his school an awful lot of money, okay? Derek, there were 800 uh press passes distributed in that game 800 yeah they're uh they're this week game day and uh whatever fox's college kickoff show or whatever it's called are both there like they they, they were they were such an afterthought like you couldn't have drugged them you know uh, to these to colorado last year i mean they have become completely not just relevant but the story of college football. Let me put it this way. Tell me who's number one. In terms of? Who's ranked number one. Right now, who's ranked number one? Wait, 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 wait. Uh, is it Georgia? Right, but but you had to think about that, right? Yeah. And with Alabama lose because Alabama was number three until they lost it, I'm thinking, wait a minute, who's above Alabama? Right, and the oh. only reason I bring it up is you know, normally that's right there. You know exactly who it is. Yeah. Not now. Colorado has stolen everything, right? It's yeah. Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Texas, USC. That's your top five. Penn State's number seven. But the team you're, we're all talking about is a team that's ranked 18th in the AP, yes. which is Colorado. You know, and, and rightfully so. They're 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 interesting. I mean, they we watch sports to be entertained and, and to grab our interest. That's it. I think I think if Colorado had lost their first game against TCU, people would have said, see, 
Deion's right. method doesn't work. But the fact that he shocked the world and they displayed all that speed, and plus they have a great storyline, this kid is playing both ways, playing 130 snaps a game. Travis Dude, they Hunter, got, yep. They got built-in storylines, plus the son's a quarterback who's already after two games starting to be mentioned in the Heisman conversation, yep. and it's Deion Sanders, and because everything Colorado does, you know, they have one of his one of his sons is the videographer who shoots all his clips in his office at practices, you know, and he's got this "Give me my theme" music, and he had his older lady in the in the locker room after uh, the win over Nebraska. She had to be in her eighties, and he told her, "Say, give me my theme music," and she she's pumped up. You know, I guess it's a Colorado alum, and she's like, "Give me my theme music," and she's in there dancing with the team. It's, you don't see this in college football. You, you don't see this from Alabama. Do you think Nick Saban would allow cameras to follow him everywhere he goes? Mm-hmm. I mean, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, you think they would allow this kind of inside access? I mean, you go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram every day, you see multiple clips from Dion that are still being viewed, still being played from quotes that he gave his team, his introductory press conference, his spring ball practices, his training camp, summer practices, I mean, before and after every game. His speeches are riveting. Yeah, he- I, I I, think what's going to happen is that all that stuff's going to change. Like all, all the teams, like you talked about, I don't know about Saban. I don't know if he'll do it, but a lot of teams, well, yeah. a lot of the teams are going to go to, to the, to the access, to the Dion method, to what's going on with Colorado. You're yes. going to see it with the videographers and all that. It's going to change. You know why? Because it's opened up a whole new venue of recruiting. Yeah. All these kids, all these four and five star athletes who would just snicker when they would get a letter from Colorado saying, come here. You don't think they're watching this more closely now? Because one, you got a Hall of Famer as a head coach. You got a Hall of Famer who's in his 50s, 54, 55 years old, who's still hip and can relate to the young athletes today. He does everything so unconventional by coaching norms. Players gravitate towards that stuff. It is the it is the easiest, cheapest, modern day marketing strategy ever. Yep. And only Dion can pull it off right now. And I guarantee you, Rob, all those coaches who were grumbling under his breath about how he walked in the door and told a whole group of holdover players, "You better put your name in the portal now." He talked about bringing his Louis Vuitton. He told them before it was even official that his son was a starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. He told a room full of alumni exactly what he was going to do. He didn't come in saying, as all coaches do, whether it's the college level or the pros, I come here and I want to, I expect to win. And you're thinking, okay, let's see you do it. Yeah. Dan, Dan says that Bowden and Jimmy Johnson allowed this stuff back in the day. Uh, just didn't have social media. Yeah. Look, I, I don't, I don't doubt that. Uh, and it has changed, you, you know, a lot uh, since the way it was. I, 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 I think Dion though is an extreme because of everything you just laid out, Gunner, where, you know, he literally came in and said, you know, brought in almost a whole new team. That, that, that wasn't going on back then because you didn't have the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff. So it was a little bit different. Uh, I can't take that down, uh, Tone, if you could take that down uh, because my clicker's not working properly. But anyway, um, there you go. Right, I'll do it. Yeah, but see, nobody, nobody's ever done it as flamboyantly as, as a Deion Sanders. Right. It's like, he has gone against every unwritten grain that you establish as a, as a coach in the college ranks. Yeah. There's so much tradition behind closed doors. You don't yeah. reveal a lot of stuff that Dion does. 
Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, when he said after that first game, when everybody was talking about Travis Hunter, and he came out and said, you know, there's three or four more two-way players like this that I'm going after. You don't think oh. there's three and four – you don't think those players – I'm going to tell you something right now. As much as Georgia and Alabama are still the elite of the elite, Colorado is a close third now because of what we've seen in, in just the span of two weeks and all this offseason stuff. Now, if Dion finds a way to beat Oregon and USC in back-to-back weeks, Georgia and Alabama now are going to be competing on equal, on equal playing field with a Colorado. Whoever thought Colorado would emerge as this, this quickly football school? Yeah, this quickly. It's it is nothing short of amazing. Here, here's what I'll tell you. Much like now, you got to be able to do it. Let me be really clear. But much like Otani, I think we're going to see more opportunity for guys to be two way players potentially with what Dion's doing with Travis yeah. Hunter. Yes. Some guy who is you know insanely athletic on both sides of the, now you run the risk of them getting hurt and tiring themselves out. There's a risk. But I think you'll see more mixing and matching, not playing the amount of plays that Travis Hunter's playing, but guy will play some wide out, he'll play some D back. I think yeah. you're gonna see a little bit more of that uh at the college level because of the success that they're having there. Hey, let me let me pass this along to you, Gunner. This is uh it's good news for the Eagles. Um uh, Garrett Bradbury, the center for the Vikings, is listed as out on the Vikings injury report for tomorrow. He go. will not play. So he's out. Uh Christian Darasaw, the tackle is questionable. Uh, with an ankle, Marcus Davenport question with an ankle. Both guys limited in practice. So while the Eagles have some injuries, that's a big one. The center's out, and the, and the Eagles had great success in the middle last week. Yes. Uh, Darasaw is their best best uh, offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. If I'm Jordan Davis and I'm Jalen Carter, I'm looking at each other in practice going, this is going to be fun. <laughs> the way they can shoot gaps now, you playing the backup center, um, th- this – this could be very similar to what we saw in that game against uh, the Patriots uh, just a few days ago. Yep. Um, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if though both of these young men don't have the same measure of success in terms of collapsing the middle of that, that line of scrimmage and getting after Kirk Cousins and possibly getting them down on the turf more than they did with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree um, with you. But going, going back to what you were talking about with these yeah. two-way players in college, um, for decades – for decades, Robin, we followed college football religiously for decades. Think about how many players who, once they became prominent players and their stories are told in, in, in outlets like Sports Illustrated, they went to certain colleges as a cornerback, transferred to a receiver, became a number one pick, started as a receiver, went to a cornerback, started as a tackle, went to a tight end, started as a tight end like a Lane Johnson moved to, to a tackle, and they kept them as one-position players. And I'm, I'm basically I'm, – I'm feeding off of what you just said. Because of what Dion is doing, we're going to see more and more now players. That's going to be a hook to get players to come to my college. I agree. Hey, look, I know you're good at both positions, but we think you're better at this. And those players still go because it's Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Florida, Florida State. So now Dion's throwing the caveat already. He already threw the caveat out there after the game against TCU. There's three or four more two-way players I'm going after. Yeah. You don't think those players are going to consider Colorado even more so now? Well, think about it from their perspective. Uh, you, you're going to give yourself an opportunity to play both positions and show out at both spots, Heck whereas yeah. you're not just limiting yourself. Like, like, like a, a, a scout may say, hey, this guy, 
we, we see him playing both of these, you know, he might, whereas you might be limiting yourself if you're just playing defensive back, I think it just gives you more options. Uh, and, 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 you know, let's face it. I mean, it's, they're the hot team right now. And, and we know y- you can sway 17, 18 year olds to go with the hot hand. Clemson had it going for a minute and now it's, oh, that's yeah. kind of cool a little bit. Oh yeah, uh, It's hard to keep it. Like what George is doing right now is really difficult to just keep it cranking, but they're doing it. Um, mm. So yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch for sure. I, I, I can't wait. You know, I never thought I would say this, but every week Colorado is must see TV now. Yes. Their yeah. speed, their speed at running back and wide receiver is lethal. You know, th- their quarterback, Shador Sanders, my goodness, that young man has poised beyond his years and has an arm and accuracy. Yeah. Oh, my! and he can step up and run as well. It's the new era of quarterbacks we've talked about. Yeah. Look at how many teams are looking for those quarterbacks in the NFL now. Yeah. This is the, he's this got all is the tools. The, he's got all him and this Caleb Williams for USC. Those are the quarterbacks that are now being drafted, one, two, three, four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and and I can't I can't wait, Rob. I never thought I, I was – that anxious to see the next Colorado game. I put Colorado on my must-see TV list. Florida State has always been on my list since the early 80s. Wisconsin, yeah. for obvious reasons. I'm from Wisconsin, you know, and they sucked against Washington State, <laughs> you know. But now Colorado's on my must-see TV list. Yeah. Yeah, let me see what time that game is. So, that, like I said, they have all the uh, all the big boys are going. So, that's a, that, so that is another noon game. Okay, it's another noon game. Yeah, 10 – 10 Mountain. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's 10. Uh, it's 10. Wait, 10 p.m.? Is that right? It's that late? Which is 8 p.m. Mountain time. Yeah, let me check that here. Because that's what their schedule says. So it might be their time. So it might be the prime time game, 8 o'clock. I think you're right, Derek. I- I'm just going to confirm that. Sorry, I don't, I don't want to give you bad information here. No, it is a 10 p.m. game on ESPN. Okay, Boy. 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Eastern time. Eastern. I I would move that bad boy up, man. If I if I'm the, I would have moved it up if I was the executive. No, 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 no. They control the national audience at 8 p.m. Do you no, realize it's 10 p.m. Eastern? Yeah, which is which is 8 p.m. their time is what I'm saying. Right. But yeah, you worry about East Coast though. That's what you want. You uh, let me tell you something. You don't think a lot of the East Coast is going to watch that game? Oh, I totally. They'll stay you know what I mean? for sure. Yeah, for sure. Now, now mostly, you know. We get the West. We get the Pac-12 games, and, and the Mountain in the Mountain games late at night. Nobody's yeah. hardly watching those games, you know. Unless it's like USC versus UCLA or Oregon against USC. Yeah, you don't. No, they don't get those numbers. No, they'll be why. No, believe me. The, yeah, the viewership is going to be is going to be it's big through, time through the roof across the. Dude, I've never. I can't remember the last time. No, we all we always know Alabama's going to generate that kind of right. audience in prime time. Georgia's right. going to generate. I can't remember a mountain a mountain time zone team generating this kind of buzz two games into a season. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you. And yeah. we're sitting here talking 10, 15 minutes about Colorado. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty crazy. You know I never, I, I, things you never thought you'd be doing, right? No. Uh, yeah. I never thought we'd be doing that. Yep. Oh my God, that's funny. All right. So um a couple other couple other things. This is interesting, uh, Derek. So the NBA Board of Governors voted to approve tougher resting policies and punishments for star players who sit out games, including those on national TV and in-season tournament games, as well as multiple all-stars sitting out together for regular season games. 
Good, by the way. Good. Uh, teams must refrain from any long-term shutdown or near shutdown when a star plays uh, when it when a star player stops participating in games or plays in a materially reduced role in circumstances affecting the integrity of the game. So we know what they're trying to do here. Yep. They're, they're, they essentially they don't want you going on a road game, and the, the the Warriors sit Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, and it's guys you never heard of before, and you paid a ton of money to go watch Steph Curry and yes. Clay Thompson, etc. And 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 they need to try to do something about this. They don't. You mean you mean they're trying to thwart the schedule losses that Doc Rivers told us about? <laughs> yes. Is that what they're trying to do? You are correct, sir. Hey, look, man, people pay good money to get in arenas, parking, concessions, food, beverage. They want to see a top product. And and yeah. let's face it, when so, it, it, there are a lot of people, Rob, that only go to see one or two games because it's a Steph Curry, LeBron James. And if they find, or, or Giannis, and if they find out those dudes are sitting out, you know what? It's like they've gotten cheated out of their experience. Mm-hmm. You know, prime example, um, Two years ago, my, for my brother's birthday, I flew to Milwaukee. It was and he he was wanted. He's always wanted to see the Lakers play, and, and you know the Bucks. They're playing the Bucks. We go to the game, and both Giannis and LeBron were sitting out their game. Ugh. Now the Bucks won it, but I flew to Milwaukee because I wanted to see Giannis play. I hadn't play, I hadn't seen Giannis play in person. Sure, you know, and because you know me, I don't do arenas, but because of where that. I tell you what was interesting: that Milwaukee or the, the Bucks arena is a phenomenal arena, right in the heart of downtown. Mm-hmm. And it was sold out because they thought it was going to be Giannis versus LeBron. Yeah. And we got out of there relatively easy. We stayed for the whole game. You know, it was me and my brother and my cousin. We stayed for the whole game and and, and, uh, and our nephew and, and one of our uncles. We got out of there and it, there was no crowd crunch. And it was a sold out game. Over 20,000 people sold out. Mm-hmm. But you know what it's like trying to get out of the Wells Fargo Center because you're in a gated area yeah it's tough but see down in, in downtown milwaukee you have a number of different parking lots uh, uh, open parking lots you can hit mm-hmm. so it's not that that type of congestion but i was like man we got out of here real quick but i was ticked off because i didn't get to see the people play i wanted to play. i don't blame them if you're a season ticket holder or if you're a guy who strategically saves your money saves your hard-earned money to see certain players and they're not going to play that's a travesty i don't blame the league for finally doing this mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm glad they're doing it. In fact, I, I'm I'm really, really glad that that's the case. And the way they're defining it, Derek, as a what what a star player is, someone who has made the All Star team or All NBA teams in any of the previous seasons. So the NBA will incorporate a fine system for teams that that brings with uh, one hundred thousand dollars for first offense, two hundred fifty thousand for second offense, one million for a third or additional offense. Um, teams must manage their roster to ensure that no more than one star player is unavailable for the same game. Teams must ensure that star players are available for national television and in-season tournament games. Teams must maintain a balance between the number of one-game absences for a star player in home games and road games with a preference for those absences to happen in home games. Uh, teams must trying. refrain from any long-term shutdown or near you get the gist of it. So that that's, I'm good. Good for, good for Adam Silver trying to be proactive here um, and, and, and trying to shake this thing up. I'm glad. You know, what's going to happen now as a countermeasure, you're going to have teams. Oh, he's hurt. He can't play. He's hurt. Yeah. 
Yeah, what, like, what are you going to do? I, he, yeah, exactly. You know, and how, who's going to prove it? How's the league going to prove it? That's the problem. Have, it's, like, it's like, oh, he has a strained back. Yes. Hamstring uh, injury. Hamstring is sore. Uh, groin. Uh, sore Achilles. Yeah. You know, sore groin. How are you going to prove it? Yeah. The yeah. league's not going to be able to prove it against a doctor slash training staff. How are you going to prove it? It's like NFL players who flop. When they're getting when they're getting run over, what happens when, when, when an offense has momentum? All of a sudden, you see a defensive player get up, and all of a sudden, he sits down and raises his hand that he's hurt to stop yeah. the flow. That's, that's basically the equivalent of what you're going to see here. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately. Makes sense. All right, this one, uh, this is just awful. I, mean, I don't know if you saw this story or not, the, uh, the, the Kevin Porter Jr. story. Uh, oh, man, come on, man. Oh. So um, he got arraigned uh, in, in New York City. He uh, allegedly attacked his girlfriend at a New York City hotel. She was a former WNBA player. Um, and uh, allegedly uh, broke her vertebrae yes. and gave her a large cut over her right eye. Um, this guy's had a couple other run-ins with the law, pulled over with a gun, with weed. He did some other things, um, you know, to wear out his welcome in Cleveland, et cetera. So anyway, um, you know, we're going to, we'll see what the Rockets and the league end up doing. I, I, I think um, this one, this – not that any, this kind of stuff is ever acceptable in any way, but this this is a really extreme one. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening here. It's this, this, this this should be a year suspension. Yep. Minimum year. Yep. And and Houston should be able to get out of the new contract that he yes. that they just signed him to if they yes. if they so choose. Absolutely. Yep. 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 Conduct detrimental to our our standards. Yes. I don't care how good of an athlete you are. What 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 you did to that young lady was basically heinous. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, and there's no way he should be allowed to play in the league. This is not a, this is not a 20, 30, 40 game suspension. This is a year suspension. I'm, I'm with you. At least. I'm with you. Yep. Yep. Uh, disgusting, quite frankly. On, and, on and, and, he, and he cannot come back into the league unless he's had thorough psychological evaluation for X amount of weeks, months, whatever the case may be. Yep. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I, I think it's, uh, it, Daz, it's Daz, you're right. Should be gone. I agree, Daz, but I'm just saying at the very minimum a year. I agree with you, Daz. Yeah. Yeah. First I mean, look, man, you're right. look, this thing, it's a privilege to, to, to play in these leagues. It's not a right. You don't have the right. And that's why, you know, there's language written into these contracts, Derek, like you just mentioned with contract that conduct detrimental to the team, to the league, Yes. which you could be bye-bye. I mean, you, yeah. you have got to uphold, and, and, and this goes for anybody. I mean, any, anybody. You, you got to – this kind of stuff, man, it's disgusting. It really is. Um, I mean, he could, he could have paralyzed that young lady anything, you know. Yeah, and um, apparently it wasn't the first time something went down you yeah. know, with them as well. Yeah. Again, alleged, I get it. We'll, we'll see. Um, but it's it's a – it ain't good, man. It ain't good. Trust me. You read the details of this, and I won't get into too much of the details. It's, it can get a little graphic with, with what went down, but – Scary uh, on a lot of levels. Uh, very, very scary. All right. Uh, we are, we're going to get into our, our, our NFL segment. Let me ask you this before we, we get a timeout. Yes. Do you like the Thursday game? If take aside our jobs where we have, you know, we're up late with post games and all that as a fan, say it was, say it was the Packers and you know, whatever, would you, would yeah. do you like the, the, the Thursday game? First of all, I have to say in, in years past, we've had a number of duds on Thursday night. Um, but from a selfish standpoint, yes, because we have something significant to talk about, even if it's not the team that we cover and watch closely. We have something to talk about to get us through a week. 
I'm I'm a junk junkie for football. I wish you could play football seven days a week. To be honest with you, I wish the league to find a way to stagger could stagger schedules where you play at least a game seven days a week to have something to talk about. Yeah. Um, I know the league has been adamant about trying to put better matchups on Thursday nights because the numbers have been waning in the past. Yeah. Um, but yes, to answer your question directly, yes. Whether I'm a fan or whether I'm, because of what I'm doing. I want to see football, period. What about you? Um, I don't mind the Thursday necessarily. Um, if I have my druthers, it's a Sunday game, or even over okay. Monday or Thursday. I don't Good mind one. it necessarily, but it would not be my first choice. In fact, it'd be my third choice. I, I, I would rather either play Sunday, and that includes Sunday night, or Monday, um, and Thursday would come in third. I don't love it. I don't love yeah. it because I, I, I like the whole – up until about Wednesday or Thursday, you're still looking back and then the look ahead. I like all that. So no, I, I, I it's okay. I don't hate it, but I, I would prefer the Eagles not be playing. I don't like it when it's your team and you have players that are teetering on whether they can play or not on a short week. Um, but in just general terms, who is it? Uh, so who, I got to see this, this uh, Eagles fan gun. You were asking for too much. Stop being greedy. LOL. I'm greedy. I admit it. You know, I, if I could, even if you could sprinkle in college games, I want to see some football. I, if you can, if you can alter college and pro games seven days a week, like we do with baseball, basketball, hockey, I'm yeah. all in. Yeah. You know, um, I, I just, I just want to see, I just want to watch a game. Sundays, um, I, I, I agree with you, but because you're honed in for the most part on one team that you root for, right? You mean so much. That, that's what I love about the Monday night game is that you're honed in you're on right. that one. Game. You know yeah, what I'm saying? You're right. Thursday night, one game. You know. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, now right. what I don't, what I don't like, you know, real quick, is the fact when it when it co- coincides with you're watching a Thursday night game and you got to watch a Phillies baseball game. You got to keep an eye on both. Yeah, I don't back think that would go back and forth. Yeah, but I do love the Thursday night game experience, though. I got you. All right, let's come back. Let's uh, let's go full blown into our NFL. Uh, well, Travis Kelsey, we will get into. We'll, we'll give you some of the details of Joe Burrow's contract. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we'll debate what the Jets do at the quarterback spot, the backup quarterback spot. Uh, Michael Irvin update, former Eagle Ian Book update. we got a bunch of other stuff for you uh, when we come back. We'll, we'll let you also know who Sal Pal thinks the Jets should go after, which is very interesting. Ah, All those okay. things. Yes, when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. You may have some issues with your trees that you've noticed with the with the extreme weather, with the winds, with the rain, branches coming down. It's a good time to get your trees evaluated now and possibly get them trimmed or take them out before something major happens. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848 or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Yes, we are. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk a little NFL D-Gun. All right. So um, a couple things. The NFLPA has put out a statement uh, regarding natural grass versus turf and how the players almost unilaterally would rather have the natural stuff. Uh, In fact, there was a, a research done that the turf the most recent research done turf injury rate uh, is 0.048 to 0.035 per 100 players on natural grass may not sound like a lot, but it is a higher rate for sure. And it is real. And when you consider the amount of money that these, these owners have to not switch it over to the natural grass is unacceptable. Now, one of the reasons they don't do it, is because they want to have concerts in there. They want to have all different kinds of events. And it's easier when you have the the turf stuff rather than the natural grass. So, you know, again, this is on the heels of Aaron Rodgers injury. You can say that would have happened no matter what, and you may be right, but it's, it's spurred this, you know, coming back up again. Well, um, players have been crying foul for a long time uh, when it comes to, turf versus natural grass 
and it has fallen on deaf ears up to this point for the most part. You know, uh, we, we talked about it yesterday. And when you look at uh, a couple of key players, uh, Conklin got hurt on natural grass. His season's over. And I forgot who the other player, significant player was, who got hurt on natural grass. Uh, season's over. And in the NFL league office and the NFL PA used an independent company to do this study. The players are telling you that playing on this, this fake stuff puts them at more risk than natural stuff. And I would think the league would listen to its players. You hear commissioner Roger Goodell all the time talking about, we have to listen to our players. We need to listen to our players. They are the workforce. They're not listening. You know why? Because these fake surfaces are cheaper to maintain. You don't have to have a maintenance crew constantly watering this stuff, cutting it, making it, you know, it is what it is. It's a lot cheaper to maintain. And a lot of these services, they cost anywhere from 850000 up to a couple of million. They're always experimenting with a new surface. Look at what happened um, in that Super Bowl. You know, they had, a, they had they had just put in a new type surface. And it was like being watching ice capades for both teams in the Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Chiefs. You know, they, they're constantly playing around with this stuff. And the players are the guinea pigs. And all of a sudden... And then when a prominent player gets hurt, then the public outcry from the players' part is even louder, and rightfully so. But I don't think the league is going to do anything in terms of going back to natural grass across the board. You know, this synthetic stuff started way back in the 80s. And, and every every two to three to five years, it's next turf. It's a, it's a new type surface. It's much more closer to natural grass, but it's still not natural grass. It doesn't have the give. That natural grass does, and that's what the players are talking about. When you're running full bore, full bore as a 250, 300-pound specimen, and you're stopping on a dime, and your body momentum is going one way, yet your ankles and knees are, are asked to twist and turn another get, another way, you're you're asking for an explosion in some part of your body. Yeah, and we see it too frequently. And I don't think the league is going to do anything, anything to change this. To be honest. We know it's very difficult to institute any kind of change with these owners. We know how much pushback you get with Roger Goodell and, and all the protectors, et cetera. It, it is very, very difficult. You had the David uh, 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 Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari coming out Look. yesterday saying, you'll only change it out for soccer. What does that say about, you know, us? So, uh, you know, you look, what, these guys. You see, sales put. you see what sales put. FIFA demanded. If America wants to host the World Cup, you have so that's why Bakhtiari screaming about you yeah. do it for soccer, but you won't yeah, do it for great soccer. point. It's a great point. It's so basically that, they're saying soccer's more important because than, you know why FIFA probably you know covered it, paid for it. Or yeah, but, or or these stadiums know what a draw it's gonna be, how much money it's gonna bring in, and that'll weigh more than than offshoot that cost. You okay, know what but, I'm saying? But FIFA, it's typical FIFA, sellout stuff that the NFL does. True. FIFA's, FIFA's like the circus coming to town. You know how you know how Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey comes to town once a year. That's, That's what I think Philly's is. one of them. But we are there's already grass here. But still, yeah. yeah. But 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 FIFA's FIFA's like that. And the NFL is the richest sports conglomerate on the planet. Why? Because of its workforce, right? Yep. So how do you not take better care of your workforce? It took you for years after it was initially discovered by a doctor in Pittsburgh that CTE was real. And when a movie came out, if it's close to what we believe is accurate, look at how the league 
and league doctors shunned that initial report about CTE being real. And yep. then all of a sudden, after a few more doctors jumped on, is when the league said, you know, we're going to do our study as well. And what did they find out? That CTE was real. When you had p- players taking their own lives because of these head traumas after the fact, and players debilitated mentally and physically after the fact, all of a sudden it became real. Your players have been crying for 20-plus years about these artificial turfs, and it's fallen on deaf ears. But yet FIFA comes to town like the circus, and because you want this one-time event, because as you just said, Rob, it generates so much money and so much global interest from people coming in from all over the world to generate all this money for these towns that it's going to be in. Think about the money these cities, like Philadelphia and other cities, are going to make off this one-time event. Football makes you that money annually from start to finish. And yet you don't take, you don't take to heart what your players are telling you. And yet these players are constantly week one. We talked about this uh, Monday week one. Look at how many players, prominent players fell by the wayside at week one of the national football league. And now when there's going to be more and there's going to be more. more. And now your biggest star, one of your biggest stars is done for the season. Yeah. I hear you. Nothing's going to be done. Nope. No, it will not. Uh, all right. Beyond that, um, you sent me this earlier, man. And, and he's still they're, they're still saying he's likely to play, but I, I don't know how. Um, Jay Glazer reported that the Chiefs extracted 45 cc's of blood from Travis Kelsey when he sustained that knee injury. I mean, they're, they're saying he might practice today. Yeah, now see that tells me that there was severe swelling and bruising wherever that bone bruise was that he that he had. I mean, I know he had a hyperextended knee, but there was some bone bruise also Jeez. in there. Which means, and that's what they do—they extract it to alleviate the pressure sooner rather than later, and then they can control that thing with ice and you know heat and all this stuff. But dude, that that's that's some weird scientific stuff right there, dude. That's I'm a like, lot, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Look, we—I mean, we saw how much they missed him. I'm here for you. No, 45 cc's is not a lot. Nah, okay. All right. I'll take you for your word. I got you. Yeah, I I, I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I have no idea. What, Three what tablespoons, that that's it? That's okay. not a lot. Three tablespoons. Then yeah, then it's not. I, we got Yeah, thank you, D, D1. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, but look, they're going to get him back likely. They're going to get have Chris Jones playing. Um, they're going to look like a much different Chiefs team. I can tell you that. And I thought Who the defense held, their, held up their end of the bargain, too. In, in Who did they play this week? Detroit? Uh, no, Jacksonville. No, no, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a good one. That's well, that's gonna, gonna be a good, be good one. Andy yeah, and Doug. That's my game of the week. This is uh, this is a shame. So J.C. Horn, so he suffered a serious and freak hamstring injury in which he heard it pop. Yeah, man, and felt it pop. Uh, according to Frank Reich, surgery's on the table, and possibly IR on the table. This dude can't catch a break. His whole career, he's been banged up. Man, his very short career. When, when, he is, when he is healthy, J.C. Horn is one of the best cornerbacks in all the National Football League. Huh. But it's very similar. Um, uh, who is who is it now um, that's that's getting a hamstring ha- checked out? Who who are we talking about Monday with the hamstring situation? Um, who's who went to get outside outside? Um, oh, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is yeah. very similar to that. When you talk about a hamstring popping, this is not just a two or three week type thing. And if he has surgery, for the most part. If he's lucky, you might see him in December. You might. Man. Terrible, man. It's terrible. Yeah, that's a shame. You know, and that that is that's certainly not a team that can that can, you know, afford that. You know, that's for sure. 
Um, we yeah, we talked about this guy before uh, before the season started and and how it was a, a big year for him. Chase Claypool, the receiver from the Bears. Yeah, you remember him? Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. So his effort in Week One in the loss to the Packers has come under under scrutiny, and he may be going bye bye. Um, there was a, there was a sequence a couple times where they isoed on him, quote unquote blocking. Uh, where he, there was no effort made, basically, Gunner and um, Matt Everflus, their co- their uh, coach, has said he spoke with Claypool, uh, where the receiver fell short. Um, asked if the team was considering deactivating him in favor of Equiminius St. Brown. He said, "We're looking at all possibilities." I'm telling you, man, his days are numbered. There, he's going to be gone soon. I don't understand what's going through his mind because this kid has unlimited potential to be a truly good receiver in the National Football League. He fell out of grace real quick in Pittsburgh, and he's doing he's doing even more detrimental things in Chicago. I don't know who's advising him. I don't know. Does he not want to play the game anymore? I mean, because he, he was a high draft pick, you know, and, dude, he's stealing money. You're hurting the team. Now – is he trying to force his way out of Chicago, hoping somebody else will pick him up? Dude, if you force your way out of Chicago, who's going to touch you? You're on your third team now in, what, three years from Pittsburgh to Chicago to whoever, whoever's next? I mean, got traded last year during the season, and he yes. might be gone from there already. It, it, it's not good. Yeah, but I'll say this too, Rob. Josh Gordon had, had, had problems, alcohol, drug problems his entire career. How many teams did he play for? How many teams gave him second, third, fourth chance? You're, you're right. He, he's more talented than this guy, though. Yeah, and I'm not saying this guy doesn't have talent, but yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I don't understand what what he's doing. What he's doing here? I don't know. And, and a, a lot of it involves around effort. That's all it control, is. It's the it's the easiest thing in the world. You can control effort. You don't have to be a great athlete or have yes. size or yes. anything in life. Just control your own your your effort. It's it's crazy. And this is the guy who came out this summer and said, "I know I have to change. I know I have a lot to prove." I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to take you on your word that you know you made a mistake. You slacked your way through last season. One game into the season, you're doing exactly the same thing you did last year. It's crazy. I mean, I don't know. I, I listen. I can't figure this kind of stuff out. All right. So your AFC Player of the Week, no surprise, yep. Tua Tagovailoa, who put up monster numbers in Week One in their game against the Chargers. Uh, Jesse Bates uh, gets the Defensive Player of the Week for. Uh, for the NFC, uh, Brandon Ayuk is named the offensive player. He had two touchdowns for the 49ers. Uh, Jordan Whitehead uh, is the uh, – I said Jesse Bates, AFC. He's the NFC player of the week. He's with the Falcons now. Jordan Whitehead, who had three picks Monday yep. night, got the AFC player of the week on the defensive side. So, And uh, the kid who took the kickback, uh, Xavier Gibson, Gibson yeah. AFC special teams player. Deserve, all of those are very deserved. <laughs> You get three interceptions, you take a punt back and a walk-off, you got it, my man. You know, Jesse Bates is a name that Philadelphia fans don't want to hear because everybody wanted that guy so bad in Philadelphia. And, you know, he's just that good, you know. Yeah. Uh, But you're right, Xavier Gibson, hands down. If if that's the only thing he did that entire game, he deserves special teams player of the week. I don't care because what what he did was phenomenal and brought the house down. They, did you see the one camera? It was so cool. There's this real low camera that's just isoed on Robert Sala as he's he, he's 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 like watching it unfold, 
he's yeah. he's slowly going down the sideline, yeah. and then when he sees like he's going to get in, he rips the headset off and just takes off for the end zone. It's it's really cool, man. It brings you back to being a kid again. And then you see the end zone shot and realize Robert Salah was one of the first ones to get to him. In the oh, end totally. He got he got there as soon as he crossed the goal line. How's that possible? I don't know. <laughs> it was it was pretty cool though. Yeah, it, it, just great. the exuberance. Yeah. Because they all know what they went through that night and the way that, the, you know, obviously the way it started. But to be able to still get the win, I thought showed a lot of heart uh, from that team. So I, I agree. Cool. And it shows you how just how, how lethal that defense is to keep them in a the game the way they did. Yeah. How fast and furious they are. And I don't care what Robert Sala said at his postgame press conference. You know, our season's not over. You know, you, you know, come on, man. Human, human nature takes over. When you lose this quarterback, you are jacked up. Yeah. That you have the one guy that you needed to help take you deep, and four plays, seventy-five seconds into a game, his season is over. That is deflating. That's deflating. It is. It is. It, it, it is. Man, it just takes a, it takes a lot out of you. All right. Speaking of that, so you and I had a little bit of a, you know debate yesterday on what we think the uh, the Jets could do with backup quarterback. Let, let me just throw this at you first, Eric. Sal Palantonio was on. Uh, I think get up with ESPN today. Okay. And the name that he floated was Nick Foles. He said that, you know, there's a tie there with Joe Douglas. Uh, He's done this before where he takes over a team with a really talented roster, um, you know, gets them to the promised land, et cetera, et cetera. The difference is the main difference is he stepped in in what week 13 or 14, whatever it was, right. You know, in, in 17, and was able to, to pull it off. I, I'm not saying it's completely out of the question, but I question how much there is left in that tank. Yeah, what, I agree. What do you think? I agree 100%. Is Foles with the team now? No. Why isn't he with the team now? Nobody's interested. Team, team, teams have identified that, Nick, uh, your your moment in the sun is done. You know, uh, you look at how badly he's played everywhere he's gone, Jacksonville, Chicago. Indianapolis. Yeah. Indianapolis, you know. Um, they understand he's cooked. They get it, you know. He's played uh, well in one uniform, and it's this one. That's that it. it. That's it. Nick Foles yeah. is cooked. Now, granted, I will say this also. Nick Foles is is still, I think, as good as a number of guys who are in backup roles in the NFL. When you look around the league and see who's back, back in – the only thing Nick Foles can't do is run. That's yeah, the only sure. thing he can't do. Yeah. Um, but – his resume shows that once he left Philadelphia, he's not that same quarterback. He got hurt down in Jacksonville. The year I went down there and covered him when he was a starting Jacksonville, he got hurt. Couldn't keep the starting job. Lost that starting job. Couldn't yep. keep the starting job in Indy. You know, two teams that were really looking for for, for leadership. I agreed. Yeah, agreed. So, um, you know, and people keep saying a team will pick up Wentz. I do believe we have not heard the last of Miss, Mr. Wentz. I do believe that some team is going to pick up Carson Wentz somewhere, somehow. As of now, nobody wants to touch Carson Wentz. And I don't blame him. When, it's, when you think about how his storyline has gone um, from here to Indy to Washington and the stories that keep coming out about Carson Wentz, the person, I understand why. Team, but somebody's going to be desperate enough to go after a Carson Wentz because he can, he's still mobile. He may not be as accurate. He may be gunshot. He's still mobile, though. I yeah, like I think before the end of the season, he's on a roster. I don't know if it'll be yeah. the Jets. Someone, will, someone who has an injury will take a chance for sure. I think I think the Jets should go after somebody like a Jameis Winston or a Teddy Bridgewater. You know, now in Detroit, once you get past the starting quarterback there, 
they do have the kid they drafted in the third round, Herndon Hooker, um, who has a lot of potential. But I understand the better teams are going to have a quarterback they feel can step in and help them. And we heard that uh, Jacoby Brissett is the first quarterback, supposedly, uh, the Jets have had internal discussions about going after. It's not a bad choice. Brissett can, can hold his own. Yeah. But I don't I, Derek, I like him, but is Washington going to move him? No, no. With Sam, Sam Howell as your front run, no. And, and when you think about some of these other quarterbacks, there's a number of teams that only have two quarterbacks on their roster. Right. So they're not going to move those. That's the problem. I just don't think you're going to be able to pry them away. Like, I'll put it to you this way. Washington, whether they're whether you believe that or not, and I don't think they're a playoff team, but whether you believe it or not, they still think they're a playoff team. If yeah. Sam Howell struggles for the next two or three games, whatever. Yes. They'll go to Brissett. Yes. Sam Howell is a late round pick. They don't, they, they're not worried about him or, or any of that kind of stuff if that's the case. So I just don't see them moving. I'm just giving you Brissett specifically. I don't see them moving him. I don't. I'm telling you, Matt, Matt Ryan, you know, say what you want to say about Matt Ryan at one year in Indy. Matt Ryan has to, has to move up the pecking order board. You know, he's he's been around the league. He can throw. He's accurate. Um, Indy, he flopped, obviously. But then again, they didn't give him much to work with in Indy, yeah. if you think about it. <laughs> and Matt Ryan has left that door open. Hey, I'm in broadcasting now, but I, you know, I, haven't got the, I haven't got the game blood out of my system yet. I hear you. I Matt hear you. Ryan might be the option there. All right, let's stay with quarterbacks here. <laughs> Joe Burrow's contract. Just a couple of details here, Derek. Yeah. Yeah. Which are interesting. So his average annual salary, when you hear people say AAV, that's the average annual value. All right. Which means that what he's going to make per year, 55 million. Okay. Which is the highest of any quarterback. Uh, he's going to make, he's got a $219 million injury guarantee. If he goes down with anything severe, Jeez. 219 is coming his way. Um, he will make 146.5 when he puts his Joe Barrow on the on the sheet. What? Just by signing his name, what? he gets 146.5 million dollars. My God, I I know he's phenomenal, but holy crap, is that a lot of money? You know Whoa. what? That's where you ride off into the sunset. Obviously, and Joe Burrow's still a young man. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh Oh my goodness! Can you imagine? He's still going to make more money, Rob. Oh, think he's got another contract after this. Think about his next contract. Yeah, when that new TV money kicks in. Yep. Oh my goodness! Oh, there's another even one coming. Patrick, even yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Think about this. Oh, Jalen Hurts. They have Mahomes on a deal. It's a steal what they're getting Mahomes for. When they signed Mahomes to a ten-year, two hundred fifty million dollar contract, we all said, "Wow, that's yeah. a lot of money, dude. That's chump change now." Think about this, Mahomes, who's old, who's the older oldest guy of the group. But if Mahomes is still playing at the level he's playing when that new TV contract kicks in, he's going to get a new contract. So he's the old guy at twenty seven. Yep. Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud if he pans out, Bryce Young if he pans out, Jordan Love if he pans out. Think about the contracts they're going to get next. Yeah. You know, we I talk about guys leapfrogging over each other this year. Yep. The next contract is a $300 plus million contract. I agree. I agree. Listen, I agree with you. All that's right, a let's lot see. money, man. That's a, that is D-gun money is what that is. Right? <laughs> um, Let me tell you something. If that was D-gun money, D-gun wouldn't be sitting here right now. I'll tell you that right bye -bye. now. See ya. I know. I hear you. 
Um, this was interesting. Um, Micah Parsons, you remember how, how Sunday night went, right? Where it was just a smackdown that, that the Cowboys administered to the, uh, to the Giants. So Micah Parsons has come out and been critical of the Giants not protecting their guy. How about this? Parsons just, I mean, he is always talking. He says, he says, quote, it's called protecting your guy. Something I thought the Giants should have done. This was on his podcast, The Edge, with Micah okay. Parsons. Okay. I don't think Daniel Jones should have been in that game in the fourth quarter. I thought they should have protected him and pulled him out. Barring injury, their season would have been over without Daniel Jones. I got to tell you, I don't disagree with anything that Micah Parsons just said. We talked about this. We, asked, we What did we ask yesterday? Why uh, was he in with eight minutes left in the game? There you go. On, on a wet, soaking night where you're getting your head kicked you in. Go. What was the point? How many He's right. times did how, do, how many times in the past have we seen quarterbacks being pulled when things have gone extremely bad? They get pulled five, six, seven minutes left in a game. Yeah. Well, that, how do you not pull that, Daniel that, Jones out of the game? Are you trying to teach Daniel Jones a lesson? You should be you teaching know, your defense a lesson. Yeah, teach your offensive line or your defense a lesson or your special teams a lesson. I, I, dumb. Just dumb. It, well, he's right. He Look, some people may say it's not your place to say that, but I don't disagree with the word that he said right there. I think that's a weak job by Brian Dable. Really weak. Good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Leo Collins released by the Bengals. Derek, he came off the pup list and they released him. Um, so he's he's out of a job right now. It saves them some cap space. He is available. I think somebody will will scope him uh, scoop him up. He's only he's only played seven years. He's not. I don't know if he's thirty yet. So someone's going to grab him up. Could he be headed to Cleveland? That's that's the first thing I think of with Conklin what, after the season. Yeah. And yep. what the heck happened to him? I mean, this dude was a potential pro bowler when he played played in Dallas. Yeah, I don't know. He he's falling off really quick. Yeah, he hasn't come close to that in Cincinnati to the point they finally gave up on him. Yeah, yeah, not good. I don't know. But I, I, I do I don't think he's cooked, but I he has disappointed. There's no other way to put it. Oh, and yeah. Cincinnati paid him good money to go there. They did. They did. They paid him very well. Yep, I know. Uh Ian Book. The uh, the former Eagle is now a Patriot. Uh, he he was signed to their practice squad. Why? Well, I man, I'll tell you, Matt Corral must have looked really bad there. the The hoodie bounced him real quick. I don't. So they had a spot on the practice squad. And 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 Coral was a quarterback that we talked about that could be a potential starter in the NFL. Yeah. And Carolina gives up on him really before he has a chance. And, and Belichick looked at him for what a couple of days and said, uh, "You're not what we're looking for." I wonder he had that bad foot injury that cost him all of last year's rookie year. I wonder if he's not healed from that or he's not oh, just all the way point. back. That that's that's a good point. That hasn't yeah. come out yet, but that's a, a good point. He was a good quarterback in college. Where was he? Ole Miss, Mississippi. Ole Miss. Yeah, he played for uh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, yeah, he was a good quarterback in college. What the heck happened to him? Now it's a good question. I don't know. That was that was a weird one, man. I, I'm not sure exactly what happened there with him. And, and to be that to that quickly too. I mean, the guy yeah. right now is out. Of, he's on the street. Um, strange. All right, let's uh, let's let's do this, Gunner. Let's get a timeout and let's come back. We're going to talk a little Phillies with Scott Lauber. Yet another game where the where the arms let them down and the bats try and bring them back. We'll do that. We'll still do our birthdays and movies, which we didn't get to yet. So we'll uh, we'll talk to uh, Scott when we come back. So don't go anywhere that's Derek Gunn I'm Rob Ellis we are Sports Take Jacob Sports YouTube Network right back
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore Have a ball once more Here, imaginations run wild And time stands still Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore All on one five-mile island So leave the old you behind And get lost in the woods at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Buddy, Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, we're hanging out with you on this Wednesday. Talked a lot of football through the first uh, two and a half hours, but uh, let's turn our sights now to the Philadelphia Phillies, who dropped another one last night, Gunner, in really heartbreaking fashion. This is becoming a a habit um, with the Phillies of late, unfortunately. And joining us right now, this is fortunate, we have Scott Lauber joining us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Scott, how are you, my man? How's everything? What's up, man? Doing well. How are you guys? Good, Good man. Scott. It looks like you're at the yard, man. Are, are we are we uh, sitting out in the seats? We are. Yeah, I'm enjoying a uh, beautiful afternoon. That's awesome. That's I'm awesome, man. All right. Talk to you guys from. Well, yeah, we're we're thrilled you're with us. So, Scott, let me ask you. Uh, I I threw a question out to Derek earlier, and I asked him about the Eagles opener, and I said if you if you had to put it yourself in a category, would you say concerned, mildly concerned, not concerned at all about the Eagles? I'm going to ask you this about the Phillies pitching. Would you be in the concerned, mildly concerned, not concerned at all? Where would you be for the Phillies pitching here right now? I'm somewhere between concerned and mildly concerned. Um, I think it has to be at this point of the season, some somewhat of a concern. I wrote about this the other day. Um, it's not just the Phillies, right? It's around the league. Um it's and it's not just the fringe wildcard teams that are trying to fight to get in, like the Reds and the, you know, Diamondbacks and the, that group. It's the you know it's the Braves who had to use Kyle Wright the other night, 
to start a doubleheader because they didn't have anybody else. It's the Dodgers who were down to Clayton Kershaw and Lance Lynn and three rookies in their rotation. It's um, it's the Cubs who just put their closer on the IL and they're dealing with Marcus Stroman, um, who's been on the IL for a while. But you asked me about the Phillies and that's the team we follow the most uh, closely. And and so, sure, I mean, and I think that the concern with them stems from workloads. Um, you know, you go down the list, Matt Strom, Michael Lorenzen, Christopher Sanchez, guys who have reached their career high in workload. And you have to ask, how much do they have left and what can they give you in the postseason? You have Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez, who should be fresh because they were injured earlier in the year, but they're still obviously trying to find a feel for some things in Alvarado's case, it's his cutter. In Dominguez's case, it's his slider. These are important pitches to those guys, and they're trying to re- recapture some of that. So, yeah, I, I think there's – and we haven't even talked about Aaron Nola. So, I mean, I think that there has got to be some level of concern, whether it's just fatigue and workload or whether it's just pure ineffectiveness. Um, you want as many of these guys kind of hitting their stride as much as possible over the final two weeks. And so it's going to be very important as they try to lock up this wild card, this top wild card spot and home field in the first round, or I should say a home series in the first round that they get their pitching in order. Hey, Scott, you bring up a great point in terms of the, this not just being a Philly issue, it's across the league and even more so with the best teams in the league as well. Why do you think the pitching across the board has been so inconsistent and the bullpens have been so strained, so to speak. I don't know. Uh, I mean, look, I guess it goes to the old adage, right? You can never have enough pitching, (laughs) I guess. And it proves true every year, but I I do think that there is maybe a pitching deficit, um, you know, uh, across the sport. Um, It's a little bit different to pitch now than it used to be. Um, I think the pitch clock, I think a few other things, Um, maybe the way pitchers get handled these days, whatever the case may be. But it does seem like um, across the board, both leagues, good teams, fringe teams, you know, contenders are are asking that question. Like, are we going to run out of pitching? And what's it going to look like in October? And, you know, look, if you're the Braves, right, and you, you know, hit tons and tons of home runs, you might have a chance to overcome some of your pitching deficiencies because you're just going to outscore everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not usually how it works in the postseason. Usually in the postseason, pitching is king. We see offense go down in the postseason. I wonder if that's going to happen this year, or if we're going to see a very uh, offensive-oriented October. I, I don't know. Um, look, pitching, I do think, still rules in October. And if I'm the Braves, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel good about Max Fried. I feel, you know, I feel reasonably good about the guy they're sending to the mound tonight, Spencer Strider. I know he hasn't been great. Uh, lately, but he's still got great stuff and he's healthy, which he wasn't last year. Um, if you're the Phillies, you feel really good about Zach Wheeler last night, you know, notwithstanding, I thought he pitched well until, until he didn't, but you know, like what is Aaron Nola going to give you? Um, it's been five months now of one bad inning or an inning spiraling out of control and, and all of that. So lots of teams with lots of questions and, um, you, you know, it's going to be interesting to see like if October is just sort of like, who can withstand? Um, who can withstand the most in terms of their pitching, and whose pitching can hold up? Mm. Scott, just to stay on that, uh, and I don't. I'm not saying collectively you shut all these guys down for two weeks all at one fell swoop. I'm not saying that. But would you 
look to try and get some of these guys off their feet for a minute if it is a tired arm thing? Like, hey, you know, Craig Kimbrell, you, I, and I know they don't have good choices in the back end. Believe me, totally acknowledging that. But do you just sacrifice short term for long term where, hey, you know, he's got a strain back or he's out for 10 days, you know, whatever. Do you, do you think right. about any of this? I don't think so. I do think that they have um, they've eased up on the throttle on Kimbrell a little bit. Like I looked at it the other day and he pitched like four times in the first 10 days or so of, of September or 11 days of September. So um, he's still on pace for like 70 appearances, which would be his high since 2011. Um, kind of hard to sort of undo that now. Uh, but I, I do think they've eased off on the throttle with him a little bit. I think in Alvarado's case, in Dominguez's case, they need to pitch because they need to get a feel for what's missing a little bit. And you have to know, I mean, Rob Thompson's going to have to know going into the postseason how much he can trust certain guys. You know, is Dominguez a guy he can go to in the sixth inning with men on base? Or is it going to have to be Jeff Hoffman, who's pitched really, really, really well um, and has put himself in the mix here. But, but you know, um, He's going to kind of have to – Thompson is going to kind of have to, in his own mind, at least pref out, like, who do I trust in what spots and where? And the only way to do that is to pitch him. Now, you know, they, they haven't said yet exactly what they're going to do in the rotation beyond the off day tomorrow. Their intention has been to scale it back to five starters. What does that mean for Sanchez? What does that mean for Lorenzen? Um, they've talked about potentially piggybacking the two of them that's one way to manage their innings a little bit and their workload a little bit. So we'll see how it goes, but um, I, I think there's going to be some throttling back where they can, but I don't, I don't think that they're in a position to just shut somebody down for a couple of weeks. Cause they just, we've seen it over the course of the year, you know, and they're not alone again in, in that they just don't have a ton of depth. Pitching depth is precious. And so, um, you know, I wrote it the other day, like Jeff Hoffman wasn't in the organization on opening day. Um, he wasn't on the roster till early May. Uh, he opted out of a minor league deal with the twins at the end of spring training. And he's now one of the Phillies most trusted relievers. So uh, it just goes to show how precious depth is, uh, how sometimes it comes from unexpected places and you just have to figure out a way to maximize it as best you can. When, when you sized up this series going into this series, did you think we would be sitting here three games into this series talking about, and as lethal as both offenses are, that we'd be sitting here talking about three games we would see 43 runs and 57 hits? Yeah, look, I thought it was possible, um, you know, knowing these two offenses and what they're capable of. Um, you know, I thought I thought the doubleheader was, was quite something the other day because, yeah. you know, I kept thinking during those two games, like three weeks from now, they might be right back here in a division series and, you know, that think about what kind of a slugfest that might be. Um, you know, yesterday it was probably a little bit more surprising to see just given it was Freed versus Wheeler. And I think early in that game, it played out the way you thought it might um, with the two of them. But, you, you know, it's like with this Braves offense, it's like if you get through the lineup once without giving up a run or a home run, uh, you've pretty much, you know, done your job. So uh, I don't know how you attack the Braves offense. I don't know, for that matter, how you how you get, you know, Trey Turner and Bryce Harper out right now, especially Trey Turner. And think about it this way, guys. I mean, like, dynamic duos in the National League, right? How much better does it get than Acuna Olsen, Turner Harper, Jeez. and out in L.A., that's Freeman. I mean, those, that's like Batman and Robin on those three teams. So um, 
you know, you certainly have to, when you've got players like that who are, you know, in other sports, we call them playmakers, right? In football, we call them playmakers. In baseball, they're kind of, they're kind of the same way. And, you know, again, not for nothing, like the Phillies, you know, we've talked about how much they've, how often they've rallied in the eighth and ninth innings of games lately and lost, right? Like I think it's five times they've rallied to come back since August 23rd to either tie a game or take the lead and wound up losing the game. Part of that is that, you know, you get to extra innings and you got the guy on second and, you know, all bets are off. That doesn't happen in the postseason. But here's the other part of it. So much of the tying of games and the going ahead late is because of Turner and Harper, and they don't come up in the 10th inning. So um, you've got to get those guys to the plate as often as possible. And, um, you know, uh, I think I think what you're seeing on these two teams now is star power, uh, playmakers, and guys who, when they get to the plate, like – you, you want to bet on, you know, I know that the odds are always against the hitter. It just doesn't feel that way with some of these guys and the way they're swinging the bat. No, Scott, it, it's remarkable. I mean, since the ovation with Turner, he's raised his batting average almost 40 points. Yeah. Like that is so hard to do in a, in a five week span or whatever we're at, you know, since that time, 11 home runs in 13 games. This is like video game stuff that he's doing out there right now. Completely. And so listen, I go back to – I'm probably going to write this at some point here very soon. I go back to July, the series that they played in Tampa in July, over July 4th. I had a long conversation with him in his locker, and he hadn't even hit bottom yet. Like, it was three weeks before he was going to hit rock bottom of his season. And we were talking about the year he was having. And so we're a week out now from the All-Star game at that point, and he was talking about his first half and, and all of that. And we were talking about, like, getting hot. Like, how does he get hot? over the course of his career when he heats up. And he said, you know, like, you can go back and look. He goes, but I'm pretty sure if you looked it up, like, you're not going to find a month-long stretch where I'm just, like, white hot. Like, throughout his career, it's been consistency, piling good days upon good days upon good days. And at the end of the year, he's hitting 300 because he really doesn't have a dip. He doesn't really have a drop. That's kind of the way his career has gone. He said, I'm really proud of that. That over the course of my career, it's been marked by that kind of consistency other than, you know, and, and I joked around. I said, well, I can think of a week where you got white hot. And it was at the World Baseball Classic. And he said, yeah, well, that was out of character for me. You normally don't see that. And, you know, so so this last month has been completely like it's not that he's not capable of having a month like he's had because it's just that he tends to like like compile those months over the course of the season. And at the end of the year, the numbers are there. So to come from where he was, which was shocking in and of itself, that he was that bad for four months of the year. And then to get to where he's been based on how hot he's gotten, it's, it's really not um, typical of him, but it's, you know, it's certainly reassuring to see that he's able to do that, that he's able to pull himself out of it and to sustain it over the course of, six weeks now it's been it's it's really incredible with what he's done and look at what his numbers are you know i is he gonna get like think about it this way like does he get some down ballot mvp consideration at some point (laughs) like 10th or you know 10th place votes here or there i mean he's gonna have the numbers he might be 30 30 yeah um by the end of the year so uh, like if you weren't following along the trajectory of his season and you just looked at his numbers at the end of the year you know the production's there it's remarkable it's incredible Now, I know we're all hoping that somehow, someway, the Eagles, the Phillies can salvage a split in this series just to save face. But when we look at the psychological warfare of this potential matchup down the road in the postseason, 
if the Phillies get the split, it's got to be in the Braves' head that, hey, look, this team can go toe-to-toe with us. If the Braves get it, it's got to be the psychological advantage of, I don't care how good you are, we're just a, a run or two better than you. Would you agree or disagree with that? So I'll disagree only because okay. of what happened in the playoffs last year. Okay, okay. Right? Like, the, the Braves were better than the Phillies during the regular season last year. They won the division. Okay. The Phillies beat them in the division series. So I, I got to believe in the back of their minds, they probably won't admit it, but the Braves are probably thinking, we don't want this team in October. And the Phillies are probably thinking, we can take that team. We can hang with them. We've beaten them before. And we've beaten them when it counted. So I do think there's, like, as we sit here on Wednesday and it's the finale of the series tonight yeah. and uh, the Phillies are looking for the split, like, I think, if anything, like, well, two things. The Phillies need to win games because they need to still clinch a playoff spot and that they would prefer to clinch the top wild card. So games are still important for them. But also from a pride standpoint, you'd rather not see the Braves win tonight and celebrate the division title on your yes. field. Yes. Having said that, though, like, what does that get them? Like, congratulations, you won the division for the sixth year in a row. Um, you know, it's, it's next month that you want to be celebrating on this field or you don't want to keep, you know, want to prevent a team from celebrating on this field because that's when it really matters. So um, there's a push-pull with this. Like, don't get me wrong. You win your division in baseball. It's a huge accomplishment. It's a long season. Uh, in some ways, it's even more impressive than winning the World Series to win your division or go wire to wire like the Braves might do here or whatever. But – on the other hand, like we've seen it time and time and again, you know, first place winning your division doesn't get you anywhere except an invitation to the division series. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, because of what happened last October and it's fresh in both teams' minds and there are so many players from both sides that were here last October for that, I don't think either team uh, gets much psychological over the other team just because I think that they believe on both sides that they're fairly equal. Scott, let's go back to the starters for a minute. Um, and Nola and Taiwan Walker. Um, I'm not going to put Sanchez in that category, and I'm going to give Suarez a little bit of time, and he looked good in his last outing, so that, that's all good. But those two in particular, and I know Walker's record and all that, but we know what we see when he pitches. I mean, any idea what what to do here with these two? Um, no. I mean, look, I you know, I think – if I were the manager, you know, Ranger Suarez is my game three starter. Me too. Whether that's, whether that's game three of the, of the wild card series or game one of the division series after you've gone Wheeler, Nola, and, and you know, and win two games in the, in the wild card, if that's how it goes like last year, he starts the third game in the playoffs for me. The only, the only issue you have there is what if, you, what if you need him to come out of the bullpen at some point? Like they did last year and they threaded the needle. Like, they were able to use him in, in spots out of the bullpen where it mattered. He closed out the NLCS. You know, he got big outs out of the bullpen, but he was still able to start. Like, threading that needle, to me, is the only tricky part because you can't really do that as much with Taiwan Walker. He doesn't have a whole lot of bullpen experience in his career, almost none. Um, uh, Suarez is certainly more of a Swiss Army knife when it comes to you can use him in, in different roles. So that's the only thing is figuring out how to use Suarez as much as possible, as often as possible, and in the highest leverage spots as possible, whether that's to start games, whether that's to come in. So it's, it's difficult. Like, like where, does, where does Taiwan Walker fit on the playoff roster if he's not starting a game? Right. Um, so, um, 
but you know, to me, you're still going with, you still should go with your third best guy to start game three. And to me, that's Suarez. And I don't know how close it is, at least not right now, based on the way they're pitching, you know, and I asked Walker the other day, I said, like, when you, you know, you know, cause a lot of the things he's talking about, about his command and things like that are things we heard from him early in the season. And I said, well, you know, you pulled out of it in, in May and June, what gives you confidence you can do that again? And he said, well, I've done it before. And he's right. He has done it before, but he's also had bad second halves the last two years. And so he wasn't able to pull out of it in the second half of the last two years. I don't know if he, if he'll pull out of it now. So um, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I do think once you get past game three, with the playoffs, you can do some things with the off days. Right. Uh, but, you know, so you need like three, three and a half starters. I mean, you remember Syndergaard made a start last year. Ellie Falker even had to make some starts in the mm-hmm. postseason last yeah. year. So, you know, Taiwan Walker should be able to, to do that. And then you have a short leash and you go to your bullpen as early as you need to. But I think Suarez is too valuable to kind of just, you know, say, hey, he's a secret weapon out of the bullpen. I think he's got to get you as many outs as possible whenever you need another starter besides Miller Nola. This is in no way, shape, or form a disrespect to Harper or Turner. But right now, is Ronald Acuna the most complete player in the game? Well, it's it's Ronald Acuna or it's Mookie Betts. I mean, one of them is going to be the MVP. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't think there is a right answer between the two of them. Like, I think either of them can win the MVP, and it's def- it's totally defensible. And, um, you know, someone on the other side is going to be unhappy and say, well, you know, this guy deserved it more than that guy. But I, I don't know how you choose between the two of them. I really don't. I mean, they both had incredible seasons um, in every category, whatever you like. Take your pick. Are you a war guy? Are you an OPS guy? Are you a traditional stat guy? Whatever you are, they both have it. And then you watch them play, and – they play the same position. They play right field. They're both good defensive right fielders, um, well above average defensive right fielders. Uh, they both have power. They both have speed. Hard to imagine a more complete player than either of them, and I think it's a class of two, really, um, You know, at least this year between the two of them. Let me Last one from me, Scott. Do you like the ghost runner uh, in extra innings? So – as a so you're, you're talking to a, a sports writer who works on deadlines at night. <laughs> I don't, uh, you're you're just um, you're an accountant. You're an accountant tonight. So you're, you're sitting in the stands as an accountant tonight. Do you like the ghost runner? No, I don't. I don't. I, don't I mean, uh, but but here's here's another thing. So I'll tell you a story. So this is many many years ago. I was covering the Red Sox. They had an 18 inning game in Anaheim. I will never forget oh. Keith Hembry of you know Philly's lore. Keith Hembry. Yeah. Uh, Heath Henry pitched like six scoreless innings in relief that night for the Red Sox. They, I don't even remember if they won or lost the game. It doesn't matter to the story, but he gets optioned to AAA the next day because they need a fresh arm. Oh. And I'm thinking like, are you kidding me? Like this guy, should, they should build a statue of him for what he did for them the night before. Instead, he gets optioned because he had options. He could go to the minors and they needed to swap him out for somebody fresh. And right there, I, you know, when they put in the ghost runner, I said, Every reliever with options should be applauding right now because there's, you know, you should be rewarded for, for doing something like that in a long extra inning game. You shouldn't lose your job or have to go to the minors for 10 days. So from a roster standpoint, I like it from a writer standpoint who has to meet a deadline late at night. I love it. Um, But, you know, uh, like I said, um, you know, the Phillies have lost five games in the last 
a little bit here because they've been losing in the 10th inning because there's been a ghost runner on and they've allowed a run or two and uh, it changes things quite a bit. So um, I'm glad they don't do it in the playoffs. I do hope though that we don't see a whole lot of 18, 19 inning games in the playoffs just from a, yeah, I, I hear you. you know, I can't take it standpoint, but yeah, like, you know, it's not, it, it kind of, it kind of um, changes the game a little bit. I guess it's, it's kind of the argument that we used to have about hockey, right? Do you like the shootout or, or not? Do you yeah, want yeah. to keep going? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the regular season, it's fine. It probably doesn't matter. It saves, like I said, it keeps guys on the roster. But uh, in the playoffs, I'm glad games aren't determined that way. No you, doubt. You, you, you t- uh, just real quick, you touched on it a little while ago. How much would it make you cringe to watch this dang Braves team celebrate a division title on the Phillies field? Um, again, like – I, I, I wonder about it. Like, great accomplishment. Phenomenal accomplishment. You know, you won the marathon, right? Um, you should be rewarded for that. The first round buy is good. I don't know if it's enough. For not here, year. Scott. Not at here. At the same time. At the, right, not here. At the same time, <laughs> you, you just celebrated a, a, a series victory over those guys a year ago or 11 mm-hmm. months ago on this field. And – you know, that meant more, at least to me, that meant more. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're the Phillies, you'd rather not see him do it on your field. Let him do it tomorrow night in Miami or Friday night in Miami, whenever they start their series down there. But uh, I think the memory of last October in the division series is fresh enough in your mind that, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it stings if they do it tonight, but I don't know if it stings as much as it would have if you didn't have that from last year. True, true. I always appreciate you giving us a couple minutes, man. Thanks for hustling to the do park. Do you back, guys. Yeah, hopefully yeah, it will be shorty tonight. No deadline issues or any of that stuff. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> back, guys. Anytime. Take care. Right. That is Scott Lauber. All right, Derek, let's do some birthdays, my man. All, All right, right ready? Yeah. Right, we're up against it a little bit here. Uh, Tyler Perry is 54 years young today. Yep. Uh, Niall Horan, uh, who is uh, he's 30 years old today, the singer, who was in One Direction, I believe. Yeah, One yep. Direction. One Direction, yep. Uh, Lily Reinhardt, the actress, 27 today. Fiona Apple, the singer, 46 years old today. Gene Smart, the actress, is 72 years old today. Richard Keel, who had one of the most unique looks you'll see. Oh, oh. Yeah. He was Jaws in James Bond. He was a scary cat, man. If he he popped up on you in the dark, you'd have some issues, I think. Oh, Uh, my goodness. Woof. Born on this day, 1939. Rosemary Kennedy, who was one of the Kennedy children, uh, born on this day, 1918. Peter Cetera, the singer, one of the lead singers in Chicago back in the day, uh, is 79. Ben Savage, the actor. Fred Savage's little brother. Uh, Boy Meets World is 43. Jacqueline Bissett is 79 years old today, the actress. Michael Johnson, four gold medals, Derek, as a sprinter. Phenomenal. Uh, He is 56 years old today. Stella McCartney, Paul McCartney's daughter, is 52 today. Uh, Dave Mustaine, uh, singer, is 62 years old today. Uh, Milton Hershey, who created the whole line of Hershey products, who has basically an entire town in Pennsylvania. If you haven't been to Hershey, go. It's fun. Dude, Uh, when you you go there, I love reading. When you you go into that ride, it takes you through the the, how Hershey is made, a chocolate is made. I love reading the history of how he started chocolate and all this stuff. It's That's very cool. I love yeah. that stuff. It's really cool. If you haven't had a chance to, to go check it out. Uh, Nell Carter, 
the uh the actress and singer and dancer uh passed away years ago she was born in 1948 mel torme 1925 goran ivanisevich the yep. tennis player is 52 darren waller the giants tight end is 31 bernie williams former yankee is 55 jeff ross the comedian 58 aj mccarron uh formerly of the the bengals uh now playing in the usfl or xfl is 33 brad johnson is 55 isaiah whitlock jr is, is 69 any other birthdays that i missed uh let's see we got a couple minutes here uh let's see arnold schoenberg um uh was born on this day um in 1874 Barbara Bain, who played on Mission Impossible back in the original series, is 92, still with us. Swiss Beat, record producer and rapper, is 45 on this day. Uh, Roland Dahl was born on this day. One of the greatest uh, authors of our time, Matilda, James and the Giant Peach, Mm -hmm. was born on this day in 1916. Uh, Travis Fogel, remember that name? Oh, former Eagle. Uh, 28 on this day. And Joni Sledge, one of the uh, Sister Sledge sisters, was born on this day in 1956. All right. Not not a ton of movies. Almost Famous, 2000, yeah. Barbershop, 2002, Hustler, 2019, Insidious, 2013. Uh, that's That was Chapter 2. Yeah. Uh, 2003, Fighting Temptations. That's all I got. I love all right. You ever see Fighting Temptations? I haven't seen that. Oh, you got to see that with um, uh, Beyonce? Who, huh? who is it? Oh, Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. It, it's a really it's a really Michael Epps, Beyonce uh, the I, one of the Isley brothers is in it. It's really good. That's oh, a good cast. All right, I'm sorry, one of the OJ's. One of the OJ's. Okay, I will oh, check that out. It. Really good cast. All right, all right. All right. Well, uh, thanks to our man Tone to Shields. Thank you, Tone, producing the program tomorrow. Dave's and Gary will join us tomorrow's game day, folks. We will get you set for the Eagles and the Vikings. Don't go anywhere. You got the National Football Show coming your way with Dan Cilio. Thanks to everybody in the chat, everybody streaming, everybody listening. We do appreciate you. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.